Welcome to F1 or F Off, your audio pit stop for F1 news, interviews, and race reviews. Uh, I'm your host, Gabe, and today I have a very special guest with me, a friend of the pod, one half of Knockoff McLaren, the wonderful Tiernan. Hello, Tiernan. Hi, Gabe. How are you doing today? <laughs> oh, you know, I'm good. I kind of rushed uh, rushed out here a little bit um, because I uh, I picked up Lauren from the airport yesterday and um you know just uh, i set my alarm but you know just you hit the snooze a few times especially when it's like a late night flight and so uh yeah i i just just uh i'm, I'm not gonna say I, I drove uh excessively uh mm-hmm. but i may have just a slight bit just a smidge you know just going with the crowd just sure. go with the crowd the how are you doing this morning i see you have your tea uh, it's coffee today <laughs> oh it's coffee okay all right <laughs> I'm do I'm doing well too. I uh, watched the race live, which is something I when I lived in Chicago, I watched most of the races live because they would mm-hmm. play at six a.m. and I'd get up and do that and then go back to bed later. And now that I live on the West Coast with you, mm-hmm. I'm in San Francisco. You're in Portland. Yep. It's really I'm not gonna get up at four a.m. to watch. <laughs> no. No. no, so it's a special treat. My friends and I made sushi and drank sake. And oh, that's great. I enjoyed the race. It was a great race. So all in all, uh, 10 out of 10 experience. Nice, nice. Uh, what's um, what, are, what have you got going on? Like, what, what, what could be a little life update since you were on the pod last? Like, what's the new big things going on in your life? Uh, actually, I have quite a few big things going on in my life. And I know you do, too. So let's get it. Let's. I want to. I have. I want to interview you back. I have some. Okay. Um, <laughs> All right. Yeah, but my right. first big. You can cut it out if you don't like it. Um, oh no! I'll, I'm leaving it right in. I like being interviewed. Okay. I don't get. Okay. It doesn't happen often. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, my first big life update is one that has been in the works for a long time, but I got a new job. Yes, um, nice. I'm really excited about it. Shanali and I were friends, but then founded a nonprofit together, and we built it and ran it for six years um Mm -hmm. and it was a dream come true and it we hit a point though where it was time it felt like time for me to do another thing Mm -hmm. um and i got so lucky because shanali had been finding her dream job so shanali has taken over as executive director of spark shop exciting for the company exciting for shanali she is running it all on her own um and I got a job working as a, pro- they, they still haven't picked a title for me Ooh, tomorrow. Okay. Uh, okay. Yep. So that's funny, but it's a product management and like technical project management type of job at Zipline, which is a company that is uh, using drones to make deliveries more accessible. Um, oh, okay. Locally, yeah. So I don't know if you've seen uh, any videos of the little airplane shaped styrofoam drones that deliver blood in ghana and rwanda um, no oh well, well they're made of it. styrofoam they're made of styrofoam wow super lightweight super low cost wow that's awesome i've seen the ones that have like they're almost like um they've got like four propellers and they usually have like a box in the middle and like they kind of i've seen that um okay. <clears throat> i know that like they tried doing some of that domestically but like people were like shooting them with the with guns yeah. <laughs> like and I know that was like a huge problem because of yeah. course human beings in America are going to do that. Yeah. Um, but no, that's fascinating. That's awesome. So, so they're trying to, do you, do you have a title that you, uh, you'd prefer? Do you have like a fun one? Like, oh. uh, 
project like you know projects uh i don't know um project badass leader or um <laughs> it's gonna be fire putter outer fire putter outer <laughs> fire putter outer which is like my kind of favorite thing to do something a little different every day um sometimes mm -hmm. super technical sometimes super high level strategy mm -hmm. um yeah so what i'm gonna be working on is what's called like it's so you got the drone but they have a whole business around the, the operations and the delivery and the infrastructure. Um, so I'm not actually working on the drone. I'm working on the counterpart to the drone, which is the ground systems, everything. Oh, okay. Launches the drone, charges oh. the drone, uh, so, you know, allows you to service and access it. Um, okay. And then, yeah. And so they right now have these little, you know, they have drones that are delivering mostly medical supplies uh, in parts of the world where hospitals aren't very road accessible. Um, but they are working towards, uh, did you watch Parks and Rec? I did. Did you see in the very last season when uh, Grizzle, <laughs> the, the fake tech company started oh, using yeah. drones to deliver stuff to people? Yes. Yeah, they, yeah. the zipline is working on the uh, you know, consumer drone, the one that will deliver uh, cold medicine to your house or your salad or your burrito or your oh. order for right they're working on the like domestic commercial version okay um, with the with the long-term you know vision of getting cars off the road mm. i see that you see you yeah. know it's funny like when you when you talked about that my first initial thought was I, I have these weird conflicting feelings sometimes that come up with it like when it comes to like automation and robots and like ai and stuff and like i do believe that they have their place in our future i really but i think that like the where the line gets drawn for me is when it's when like it starts to cross over the the path of like this is like something that's uniquely human that like mm -hmm. really humans should be the ones doing so like for example mm -hmm. delivering like uh, medical supplies to like remote areas that's fantastic um you know uh, somehow maybe like dropping like if you have a giant drone or like a like a drone airplane that can drop water over like a hot area or something like mm -hmm. you know something that's like emergency services or things that like you said like kind of helping with environments like kind of reducing emissions because we're going to have to do that that's great where i have a problem is where it starts to get into things that humans do that are not related to like art yes. like i don't like when it gets involved in art because art is such a human thing or like music or sports like i like i mean well we can relate it to formula one i wouldn't want to watch formula one if it was all robots racing unless they were like it, unless it was like um that sort of uh like um you ever play f-zero on nintendo with like captain falcon as like a, the character in it no i wasn't a video game kid oh that's fine that's fine okay. so f-zero is basically like it, it, it's like it's where captain falcon comes from and it's essentially like a hovercraft hyper futuristic like they go like you know 800 miles an hour and they're like going like inverted and like jumping over lava and stuff like that if robots did that that would be hyper exciting but like because just... I, I know because because i know like there's no risk of a human dying so like you know <laughs> um but yeah no that's 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 absolutely awesome and i think you should maybe uh i i think if you're if your focus is like the the sort of the infrastructure of like where they land and like them being recharged and something maybe like something like master control 
like you're on like like tearing in the home the home base control master or something like that seems kind of kind of like a badass title um Ooh, we're gonna have to I'm, work on it they literally said to me we don't care what you put on linkedin so we'll see <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah, I'm. I'm all for. I'm off all, all for the creative. Like, make your own title. That that's that's phenomenal. I'm kind of experiencing that a little bit with uh, with my work right now. So I wanted to ask you. You got a new job. Will you tell me about it? You teased it on the pod last week. I did. The detail. Tell me about it. Okay. So, um, uh, to make a long story short, while I was at my old job. I got a call from a place that I had sent a resume to a long time ago. And I was like, why are they calling me? And then I answered the call and it was, you know, for a pretty incredible job offer as a full-time guitar technician. So like, this is the job that I was hoping to get when I moved out to Portland. Like, this is like what I went to school for was like building. And I went there, I did interviews and everything, the process got expedited really quickly. Like everything clicked into place really nicely. Um, and so it's, you know, it, I mean, it's a, it's a much better, it's a big bump up in pay. It's a big bump up in, in my skill set, skill set. I mean, even after being there for like a week, I already like my, my skills were just like, I was like, oh, yep, 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 yep. And I just started going up and it's only been going up every, every time. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's at a guitar shop in, uh, in, uh, a kind of North western kind of a little more west of portland um so the only downside is that my commute is like a 50 minutes like on average and that's not great um but yeah we're having a similar sort of thing where like my position what's really nice is that the store does this process where it's not only just like a um technical like sort of step by step but it's also like physical like they the guitars enter in this door and then they go past this guy who checks them in and then they go over to this room over here where like they get tech inspected by me and then they go right next where like literally right right next to it is the little like internet room where they take photographs of it and post it on the internet and then it goes to the show floor so it's like this whole little process oh and as of right now the internet like online e-commerce team and then us as like the tech area like they they want us to like come up with like a unique name for the group separately so we're like sitting there trying to figure out like maybe it should be an acronym or like maybe it should be this and like i think shred. the guy what shred that's the first acronym that comes to mind what shred oh, yeah. what quick what shred be um sir yes yeah, service repair uh oh this is good yeah service repair or service service hand repair oh god i'll have to think of that that's good though oh, that's a good starting place um i uh the the e-commerce room uh they were thinking of um they were working on some acronyms but like they're trying to avoid certain buzz rooms i just said like you should call your guys just like the I don't know the the five star skunk works or something like you know just kind of like this the like inner team and the inner team or whatever um but yeah um it's been hugely exciting and um it's literally the job that i've been looking for pretty much like my whole time that i've come but, out here so it has become so the priority yeah. yeah i'm so happy for you and like how i mean i i also am a person who plays guitar it's been a minute yeah um, mm -hmm. but like nothing is better than having a 
trusted team of technicians when something yeah. goes wrong. And like, mm -hmm. I've seen some bullshit <laughs> <laughs> in the back rooms of guitar shops. So oh, like, yeah. I am so happy for you that you get to work among enough, like among a team of experts and that you get to like really step into that expert role and feel that for yourself. Oh yeah, no, I, I've been getting a lot of positive affirmation from it, from all the team members and stuff, which has been, yeah. You just started been, and, and took off with it. Yeah, from, it's, yeah. Yeah, my, I feel like in, in so many ways this year, my life has just like improved exponentially and just like, you know, gotten so much more better, like just, you know, leaps and bounds. It's, it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's been fantastic, you know. I'm so glad you hear that. Yeah. So well, our problems, I just washed my car, washed and cleaned my car rotated mm. the tires did the did the like now i have a commute gotta get ready for it thing oh yeah yeah i my car uh oof god um yeah i i my brakes are on the screechers and uh <laughs> um i definitely need to get some service done um i'm at that point where i'm thinking like you know my hope was eventually to be able to replace my car with something a little newer because i've had it for like 10 years but um but now it's just like well if i'm going to do that i got to save and in order for me to save i have to be able to get to work so um good thing is this also a job that's very flexible with their hours so i was just like hey like i might have to take off a day to like get my car service and they're just like oh yeah no of course just let us know and i'm like yes um <laughs> it's, we love to see it <laughs> yeah yeah well it's always great when it's like people it's about people Well, uh, Tiernan, so I'm, I'm super glad that like both of us are sort of in this like forward trajectory into our futures. Um, and it's sort of interesting to, when we, we talk about like where we've been to where we are now, um, it is, you can sort of make a similar kind of, we can kind of have a similar discussion about this Japanese Grand Prix and sort of where certain teams may have started <laughs> at the beginning of the year and where they are now and just the, just the i mean I, honestly i'm talking about mclaren talking about that McLaren. glow up i mean well let, let's get into it so obviously today you are here to help talk to me about the uh talk with me about the japanese grand prix which happened um it is a definitely a a historic iconic race of the season one of uh, the one track that almost uh, almost universally every driver loves um and it's really not hard to see why it is just a incredibly technical track there's a lot of really intense aspects there's high speed there's swooping curves there's heavy braking zones hairpins it's a fantastic place um so uh just really quick i'm just going to give a little uh track background okay um so the name of the the official name of it is the formula one lenvo japanese grand prix 2023 which uh is a lot more tame than some of the other races that are in this calendar <laughs> um mm -hmm. it's held at the track is uh suzuka international racing course it's in suzuka city which is in the my prefecture mie i'm probably pronouncing that wrong um, in Japan, its first race was in 1987, won by Nigel Mansell. Uh, the race kind of runs sort of in the late afternoon. Um, the uh, driver that has the most wins is Michael Schumacher with six, which is a pretty common occurrence with a lot of these tracks. Um, so either Schumacher or Lewis Hamilton. Um, and here's a fun thing about this track. I actually learned a couple of things. So I knew that this is Honda's test track, right? um and it was commissioned by the founder of honda in 1962 
it's the only track on the F1 calendar that's counterclockwise and clockwise because it has that crossover. Yeah. But what I didn't know is that when it was originally being designed, the original designer wanted to have three crossover sections. Like you wanted it to cross over three times, which I don't know if that would be good or bad. Oh, hello, Linus. My cat Linus just walked in. He has something to say. Um, But yeah, it originally had three crossovers and I just don't know how that would have worked. I mean, I think, I mean, I think more tracks should have a crossover, but like, um, that might have been a little too excessive. Yeah, I was gonna say, I can't, I'm trying to imagine the implications to tire wear. That's like, yes, one of my first. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because it's like it would, it would sort of, it would sort of really affect both at the same time with the counter. Ooh, I didn't think well, of this, that. This theoretically does more than anyone else, right? Given that it is both clockwise and counterclockwise for for sections, and I'm. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just like spinning, trying to mentally calculate what it would look like if it had three crossovers. Yeah, I I I don't know if it was like they they would have got been longer or like I don't even know where they would have put the cr- other crossovers around. Right. Like it would have been you know, it, it would have almost been like a Mario Kart track. I know I keep bringing up video games, but like, like um... played Mario Kart. It also like I mean tracks used to be longer. Like right. circuits used to be longer in general. So if they were commissioning this in the si- early '60s. I could see a bigger a bigger circuit um, that gets yeah time, but yeah. Well, it's funny too. Yeah, they were definitely longer, but a lot of those those tracks too were also like not very particularly interesting curve wise. Like like Belgium just went off into the trees and just kind of circled back. Like it's not like there was a bunch of crazy turns and chicanes. They just kind of just went out there and then returned. I think the only one that really had a lot of crazy turns that was also long was the Nurburgring um because that thing's got like oh my god i don't know i remember how many corners like 60 some odd tor- turns or something like that it's it's crazy it's like a crazy amount of, of, of well, curves story of how they built the nurburgring was that it was a public works project and they set out to make the most difficult to construct track mm. that they could because it mm-hmm. would employ most people for the longest amount of time they were like where is it hard go wow. cut down that forest go over those hills figure it out so i think that creates an interesting implication like what's going to be hardest to build is is so rarely the way we approach our construction projects Um, yeah yeah well that's like a a big criticism people have of herman tilka when he makes these tracks i mean he's got quite a few that are pretty good and iconic but um the ones that uh, the big criticism he has is a lot of them are just very cookie cutter and they're just very basic like they're not doing anything that's too interesting or challenging in a way um it's kind of predictable and Idris and i have talked about this too where i just think that like the most interesting tracks and suzuka is a good indicator of this too it's just that it it's really that at its best when it's like going through the natural environment oh here's linus oh um here, you want to say hi, Linus? Here, say hello. Oh, what a cutie. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's just, uh, he doesn't know I'm recording a podcast, do you, buddy? No, you don't. Um, but yeah, Suzuka, Suzuka definitely, um, it, it has a lot of, it goes along with the natural formations of the, you know, of the, the land around it. So I think that's, that's really part of the reason that it's such an interesting track um that it is um apart from the crossover which i just think they need to do more crossovers yeah. um 
do you do you think in the future um speaking of kind of your new job and your position do you mm -hmm. think in the future that there would be any sort of like um, application for like sort of drone traveling or delivery things like in a formula one sort of context like picking up debris off the track maybe or oh, like what do you think so oh that's interesting i have not thought about it for one second not, not <laughs> someone interested in drones but um now now that you ask it i love that because that would be so much safer for marshals yes to not be running out onto the track so mm -hmm. i do think anything i mean they're already using drones quite extensively in the filming um mm -hmm. that's one of the you know in sports one of the most quickly accepted um things but i also think um but i could see potentially in the context of european races uh mm. if drones for you know stuff delivery if that technology develops quickly enough and the range that those vehicles can travel develops quickly enough and the payload that those vehicles can carry right enough i think i could see um instead of packing up all of your stuff onto a truck and driving it around you know continental europe mm -hmm. i think um there's a strong potential application on the logistics side of things mm -hmm. to um, reduce the impact of f1 yeah. sports Thing they're working really hard to do is to like reduce the climate implications of yes Formula. and at the same time they're adding new circuits they're the, they're mm. adding new races the season's getting longer and longer and so they're gonna have to do something aggressive to undercut the logistical hurdles so yeah yeah I yeah no that's really the big thing isn't it like it's it's not it's like they're doing a lot of stuff to try and reduce their emissions and make things more efficient. But the really the biggest hurdle is the fact that like the racetracks cannot just adapt their whole schedule around one race event, right? They have a bunch of different events and there's also different seasons. Like you cannot race at Abu Dhabi in the middle of the summer, you know, you just can't. And so like you have to like accommodate for those different schedules. And so like the, the, the calendar is just kind of all over the place. Um, that's one thing I do uh, enjoy about IndyCar is IndyCar is kind of a little more green in that way because they're only really going domestically. They're not going like internationally. Um, yeah. But I was also... Sorry to sorry to chime in and interrupt. At the same yeah. time, the United States is gigantic, right? So like it's true. traveling across the United States it doesn't feel to me much better than like traveling across Europe and the Middle East. The thing with F1 is that it is like truly fully global. And so you have the race in Japan. You have the races in the United States and in Canada. So like right. and in Brazil and all over the place. So I think um it's it's a IndyCar is closer. IndyCar is doing less, but it's mm -hmm. still I think I have a tendency to forget how big the United States is. And when people it's true, have yeah. the critique of, oh, three races in the United States, that's crazy. Those races are farther apart than most of the European races are from each other. So It's true. Yeah, I just wish that they would race in more interesting places than like Vegas and Miami. I just, well, I you know. I wish that they were using historic United States circuits. I want Indy to come back. I think Laguna Seca would be really fun. Like. Mm -hmm. I think it's a missed opportunity to do these like pop-up street races in yeah they're just about partying and spending your money right well and i think like there i think that there is enough tracks in america that could be 
uh, have whatever they need to be adjusted to make it like an, you know, an A1 track for an F1 to race on. I mean, we have Coda, so that's like a purpose built, but like you have Sonoma, Sonoma's pretty close. Like yeah. that, that, that I can imagine as being a, a really decent F1 track. It's got an, enough interesting thing elements to it. I a hundred percent, I agree. Laguna Seca would be really cool to see. Um, I still wish like, I mean, you know, I, they're never going to race at Portland International Raceway um, unless they like completely redo the entire track which they're not going to do but it would be nice if they had like if they built a track up near seattle or something like i'd 100 percent make like a trip up there well and here's the thing that is you know a little maddening about it the with the cost that it takes for example to put on the las vegas grand prix they're building they're they're building now they're closing down tourist attractions today to get mm. ready for the goals at the end of november um with that kind of infrastructure investment, the Portland International Speedway could also become a, a, an A1 track, right? Like, I don't think it's out of the question. It's really a question of like, who has, which, cause, because of how we do funding and things, like who has the yeah. local money to invest in it and who's willing to, to invest in it. But, but I do agree with you. I would love a Pacific Northwest race. <laughs> Yeah, I, it would be. I mean, it would be so much. I mean, it was. It would. It would be so much better for me because then I, it's like, oh, <laughs> I can go to an F one race and not have to like you know dump out a whole bunch of money. But that's another reason why. Just going back to this new job, another reason why I'm very grateful for this job is like I don't. I don't get um they, like w with the benefits I have, they can't. They can't exactly offer like they don't offer any holiday pay, but like I am being. I am my my income has increased to a point to where I could theoretically save up enough money to be able to get like a ticket and be able to do that things and enable this part of my life and fandom and that's that's I think that's what I'm really excited about and now like to me the idea of getting like a three day paddock pass for the Portland Grand Prix every year that's nothing like that's, that's so worth it too by the way absolutely love it. Well, I listened to your podcast talking about it. I, as a you know, long time fan, long time listener, second time, <laughs> whatever, second time temporary Host, co-host. Hoster, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I talk more about it. Tell everyone. Everyone needs to know. Do it again in case. I didn't. Yeah, well, I didn't get a chance to talk <laughs> about it all that much um, okay. because Adrisa were a little on a crunch. But yeah, um, it was absolutely fantastic. I mean, so I, like I talked to Elizabeth uh, Blackstock about it uh, and she told me she's like, I'm really excited for you because she's like, once you go and do a paddock thing, it you know, it's a completely different experience. And you understand this, too, because you and Shanali, you know, may, with knockoff McLaren, were able to get yourself into like not only the paddock, but the pit, which is way like really impressive to me. Um, there is a very, very big difference, I will say. I mean, I, I can't. I mean, I wasn't in the F1 paddock, but um, I will. I, I know just just tangentially, like just from what I can see, I do know that the Indy paddock is quite a bit different in very one very specific aspect, and that is just that not only are you seeing the drivers and the teams kind of like interacting with their like hospitality suites and whatnot. But you are literally seeing like the first thing I saw when we walked in through the paddock was the cars being unloaded from the trucks and like brought down and pushed into like the mechanics area. And I think the thing that really struck me the most is 
you see these cars get unloaded from the trucks, mm-hmm. push, pushed into the mechanics area. You see all the mechanics working on them. They're starting the engines up. They're getting things prepped. You're just watching the tires being mounted onto the rims and then getting stacked. And they just stack them in the middle of the thing. You can just walk up to and just like touch the tires. Yeah. It's wild. Um, you're also watching them all line up to go to tech inspection. You watch them all line up to get the fuel. And so you're witnessing all of these engineers literally like just huddled around the cars, pushing them, taking care of them, getting them prepared. And so when you see somebody hit a wall at the first turn, you are witnessing these engineers like, prepare this car for three days up until this point and then just to see it completely get you suddenly really understand and there was a moment in the japanese grand prix too when logan Sargent hit the wall and there's that that like that like engineer was like grabbing his hair and he was just like (laughs) shaking his head and i'm like dude i get it i understand it's like when you're watching the television you don't really get a sense of it but when you're right there and you're seeing these guys just completely unedited just like chatting with each other like you can tell like they all they all know each other too because they're like they go to race to race yeah and it was that was i think the most eye-opening experience for me i thought that was so impressive it was so cool to just see um i saw marcus erickson just like hanging out with the husky chocolate thing just chatting oh. with the with the engineers and i was like oh it's 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 marcus like you know um he's so nice oh yeah no he he does seem like a really he is he does seem like a really nice guy i'm glad that he's driving for andretti next year um I uh, I did see the funny moment. I did see Chip Ganassi like walk straight in front of me, and I I kind of like clocked that it was him, and I was like, oh, oh. Uh, that was Chip Ganassi, like you know. It, that's another crazy thing, just seeing all the drivers just like just meander around, just walking around. It's nuts. It's Nobody crazy. dropped their chapstick though. That was disappointing. I didn't see any like her fluffles or any uh you Need know full pause level nuclear fool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there are plenty of people making themselves uh, look like fools though. Um, like walking around the paddock, like trying to make jokes and stuff to like engineers and whatnot. Like, Hey, can I hop in there? It's just like, okay guys, like, you know, you know, you know, you you know, the, yeah, you know, the dads, um, that are out there doing it. Um, but yeah, um, it was, uh, it was a very, very eye-opening experience um i 100 it's 100 worth it too for the price i mean it was only 150 or 160 bucks for the three-day pass and the paddock the only wow. thing that was disappointing was i didn't get like a little lanyard and like a little badge like that was that was the sad part like i only just got a wristband it was like i was going to a music concert but yeah, for 150 dollars it's 160 dollars you can get it they can make you a lanyard they should be able to make me a, i'll make my own damn lanyard yeah, right? um, <laughs> um but yeah um that was really that was really i need to i need to get adris up here i think he uh, i'm gonna try and see if i can get him up here next year to go to that um and i'm also like I, i'm trying to make a thing where i go to mid ohio and uh the the portland race like every year if i can um because they're just easy enough for me to do as far as like having a place to crash and stuff like that um but um i know eventually I want to experience a couple more like I really want to try going to Indy mm. because I hear that's an amazing experience. So um so yeah, um uh there was there was definitely it was definitely amazing and um a complete game changer. So um I was I was uh I'm definitely going to be doing that again. Um 
anyone who can reasonably afford it, highly recommend. Yes. Well, that's, that's the thing. Not- yeah. If you can reasonably afford it, you know, and honestly, like if you if you think about it, like throughout one year, if you just pick one race that you want to go to, especially if it's local, especially if you live in the town where it happens, like, you know, it's only like 160 bucks, like just, you know, it's, you know, uh, I think way more accessible than I mean, you know, if you don't want to do that, like you can still go to the race. The ticket for one day is I think only like I think it's like 35 bucks a day or something like that, which is a single day ticket. I, I was going to say, your experience sounds much more interesting in the scheme of things than the one that Shanali and I got to have. We, we sure, got ourselves a free pass into the mathematics, <laughs> which is, again, bucket list, life-changing experience. Mm-hmm. We'll never live down the joy and thrill of that day. We only got <laughs> our little invite after the race was over. Right. So we didn't see any of the pre-preparation. We didn't see what goes on through the whole weekend. We got to see the post-race experience. Um, and at the same time, that's when most people's jobs are kind of wrapping. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get to see what it, what it looks like for the teams to spend days and days preparing. I would be so curious what goes into the, the kind of pre-drive checklist and all the setup tuning and testing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it sounds incredible. You would have had a field day um, because they're literally just wide open. Like you can walk right up to the little rope and you can just you're like maybe maybe seven feet, seven or eight feet away from the car while they're sitting there working on it. Um, yeah, they got their laptops out and they're doing all their like systems checks and everything. Uh, yeah, it's it's awesome. And I, I think that the problem is like Formula One, when you have a pit pass, you're not like um you can't be like in the pit or in the pit area. You know you what I mean? Cause it's, you yeah. You can't be in the garage. Yeah. So it's like, you can maybe wander around like in between sessions or like, you know, before like the stuff, but then they have to like clear you out. Um, highly choreographed. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Indy's a lot more closer net and, and kind of very much more, uh, intimate i guess you could say in yeah. that way you um, feel which... like more attached or more like on the inside mm-hmm. with yeah me. oh yeah it was it i had a moment it was crazy too because the, the the mechanics and the engineers are so chill and so laid back um i was standing like waiting for like the cars were passing i think they were they were going to this is before this is before the race they had like a track walk and so people were lined up for the track walk they're also getting the cars out into you know into like the pit lane and like out into the track Mm -hmm. and there was a moment where i'm standing there and i'm just like kind of waiting and i'm not you know really paying much attention and one of the mechanics is like literally backing up one Mm -hmm. of the uh like um lennerman lingham um cars and he's just like he's like oh he's like he's like excuse me bud and i'm like oh okay and i just like backed up he wasn't like get out of the way you know he wasn't like (laughs) shouting or like getting really intense he was just like hey man okay yep behind you and that laid back nature makes you feel a lot more welcome because i think that's the thing it's like as long as you're not like interrupting them like really intensely yeah they're just more they feel more relaxed and they're they're more or less just you know hey like you feel more like part of it right like you feel like yes. you're allowed to be there the feeling shanali and i had the whole time we were in the f1 paddocks was like we do not belong here like we <laughs> you know, we so clearly were not supposed to be there and i think that was in some way part of the thrill was that like we really weren't supposed to be there um 
But it is quite disconcerting to be like, any single person could realize that I don't belong here and yell at me and kick me out. And I don't know what the consequences could be of having wiggled my way back here. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah. anyway, yeah, it was, it was like as stressful <laughs> as it was exciting. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like the IndyCar experience, 10 out of 10. <laughs> oh, 10 out of 10. Yes, 100% would do again, will do again. Um, I'm going to definitely try and uh, see if I can talk to more drivers and owners, though, because that was the thing. I was a little starstruck. I'm just like, what do oh I do? Um, that's Michael Andretti. What do I do? Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I did yeah. shake Roman Grosjean's hand, though. He did. I saw Grosjean, and I was like, hey, like, good luck. And I shook, shook his hand. He's like, oh, thanks. And very soft hands. Um, which makes sense because they were burned and he's also a driver. So I'm sure he moisturizes a lot. That's amazing. Yeah. I, uh, I love meeting drivers. So if we're going to get, if we're going, if we're going to loop it back to F1, um, mm. part of me and Shanali's big highlight, one of the many highlights that we had in Austin last year was we were eating dinner in a hotel restaurant which was where we met Marcus Erickson. We right. walked in and I saw him and was like, <gasps> <laughs> um, and then another person walked in wearing an alpha team kit, like little polo. Uh, and I was like, oh my God, it's Callum Illet. And I was wrong. It was uh, Theo Porchard, the French F2 driver. Mm -hmm. um, super sweet. But there was a lot of talk about him taking uh, Joe Guanyu's seat this upcoming year. Mm. Mm. And Shanali and I were texting and texting. We had such mixed feelings because we like hung out with Theo for a little while and we're like kind of buddy. Like, yeah, that's the closest I feel to like having a buddy that could be an F1 driver, having mm. like, you know, spent a half hour talking to him. Yeah. Um, he would know he would remember who we are. Like, I believe that he would remember who we are. That feels like a big milestone. Yeah. Yuki, who we cornered outside the bathrooms, would not remember us. Um, and at the same time, I really like Joe. I don't think he's had the chance in that car to really show what he's made of. And I was, yeah. we were both texting, like, it would be a travesty to lose Joe at this stage. But also, we could have an F1 driver pal. Like, mm -hmm. it, it was such a tug. It was <clears throat> such a tug of war back and forth. But I'm happy with the way things check out. I think Teo will have his time. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I definitely want to talk about... Um sort of the drivers lineups for next year um but well, um recently it, yeah a couple uh, yeah there's a few that got locked in including the uh, mclaren boys um McLaren which um which we i definitely want to i want to touch base on you with uh with uh, mclaren because i did see that you and shally <clears throat> are making some new um mclaren jumpers right prepared some props for when we get to that point in our conversation. Awesome. Okay. 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 Well. Uh, well. I want to. I want to circle back into the uh, race, um, and I no, do want to talk about qualifying specifically. Um, so, qualifying. I think at the start, I think everybody after the three practice sessions and Max was just on top the whole time. I'm pretty sure everybody knew that at this point, like he was sort of back on form if you will, after Singapore, which, um, I mean, unsurprising. Sure. It's definitely a track that fits their space. It's a Honda track. They're still running Honda engines. So of course they're going to do really well in that. Cause they have that sort of, um, I guess, development advantage, you could say. 
Um, but really, honestly, the the surprise was the McLarens. Uh, I know that everybody was talking about their upgrade package, and I remember when they first came out with it, everyone's like, well, I'm not sure if it's going to be good enough. Like, who knows if it's actually going to do anything. The but... McLarens weren't even on pace in the free practice sessions the same way. It was looking like a strong Ferrari weekend. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know where they pulled those laps from. This is Oscar's first time at Suzuka. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. He doesn't race here. So, like, the fact that he pulled out a lap that out-qualified Lando is a testament to his talent. Um, but I also saw an interview quite a while ago that he did with um, – well, quite a while ago. Before this weekend. Couldn't tell you how long ago they did this interview. But uh, with the, the, the boys from P1, Matt and Tommy, mm-hmm. formerly WTF1, um, where they, they had Oscar designing his dream – F1 circuit, and I think he pulled the first sector from Suzuka, and mm-hmm. this must have just been from Sim racing. You know, it's funny that you say that because I was actually going to say a similar thing. That uh, there, uh, there's been quite a few times where the commentators have been like, "Oh, these drivers have never driven on this track," and my first thought was, "Nah, they were born in like 2001. They've 100 percent driven this track as, as elsewhere. They They've done Sims, the- yeah." yeah. They, they've done sims they've done it on iRacing you know and you know obviously yes it's not the same as actually physically driving there but like you can know the layout of the track you know what I mean it sounds to me I mean what I'm getting Oscar is like one of the first not the first but I think he's like a very pronounced example of how far the sims have come and how far sim racing can get you right he's like right competitive against the sim racers in a way that not all of the f1 drivers are mm-hmm. right uh, max also famously <laughs> you know yeah he just does nascar trucks at talladega apparently on loop repeat so <laughs> like <laughs> so silly it seems um, so wild but hey you know what get buck wild with it max i'm okay whatever okay. works for you whatever blows off steam max i think he needs <laughs> to blow off steam whenever he gets a chance i'm so worried about him <laughs> not a particularly big fan but still worried like human to human about him yeah. um yeah, off yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway so proud of oscar so proud of lando the mm. fact um i think the last two weekends have given us really definitive data the fact that oscar drove from 17th to 7 yeah uh, in japan nope sorry in uh singapore singapore, in singapore spectacular mm-hmm. like they are both holding down the fort they're not making mistakes the car is clearly has the pace but they're also driving on form i think mm-hmm. mclaren has a really strong future oh yeah well and just imagine where they were at the beginning i told Adris, i'm like oh. we need to go back and listen to that first episode with our predictions and just like roast each- ourselves because right? i remember we were saying like mclaren's not gonna do anything not gonna pull it up. 17th and 20th first race yeah yeah like they were they were nowhere Nowhere. But you know uh, they they you know they I think they they slightly improved the look of their car and uh, I think they kind of got into their stride. I say, Gabe, do you think this is all the the dark trace livery? I think uh, you know uh, I'm I I'm not I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. Okay. And uh, <laughs> I do think that like a livery can sort of 
if anything, it brings some, it can bring some morale sometimes and just a fresh, you know, it doesn't work every time. But, but the placebo effect is measurable. <laughs> yes, it's true. Yes. And so I think that like those things kind of coinciding. I mean, like, like look at Monaco, the McLarens looked awesome during Monaco and they actually did really well. So I'm just like, mm, hey guys, you know? Well, okay. And let's talk about, uh, if we're going to talk about liveries and the impact they have, can we talk mm -hmm. about Williams and their, their attempt at a golf livery? How do you feel about it? <laughs> um, uh, so I, they had, I remember they had put out, they put out their, um, a right. voter, like a vo online vote thing. Right. Yeah. And I, there was, there was one in particular that I was like, that's the cool one. That's what they yeah. should go with. And I knew they weren't going to go with it because, yeah. you know, because I, because I feel like if you leave it up to the fans, it's, I've learned this even through our own podcast. And we were originally coming up with the name of our podcast. We were like, Hey, like, here's a bunch of names. What should we choose? And we put in a few filler options that we didn't think anyone was going to pick. Yeah. And guess what everyone picked? They picked all the the, the, the filler ones. The yeah. the the one that we the filler option we have, we actually have it in our in our my intro. It's um the uh, audio pit stop. That was what everybody wanted. It's a good tagline. It is a good tagline. It's not a good title. And my cousin Nick thankfully pointed out, he's like, Yeah, you know, audio pit stop is the name of a record shop on Route sixty six. And I'm like, Okay. okay I'm like I will say I was taking extensive notes that I will not be referencing last night as I was watching the race, was telling my friends about how I'm going to be on this podcast. And mm -hmm. uh, when I told them the name, they were delighted. They're like, wow, that's a great name. F1 or F1. Yeah. I, you know, I'm th I thank my brother for that. He came up with a whole bunch of good ones. And that one was, uh, I think the one that, that struck the best. Um, I think the only problem that we had was that at first everyone was like, "Ah, oh, man, that sounds too, it sounds too aggressive. And it sounds too, uh, it sounds too mean spirited. We're like, no, it's supposed to be like a, it's a play on words, you know? And so I think that that's kind of what we did with like a rebrand. Like when we redid our graphic, mm -hmm. I wanted to make it feel a little more fun and a little more like, you know, inviting, like a little less intense sort of feeling. Like I wanted to give off the vibe, like, Hey, we're here to have fun. We're not, being serious because we could have done like a really serious like you know gra uh you know graphic sure. um and that's one thing we did notice when we saw a lot of the other podcasts was like some of them just had really serious names and really serious graphics and we're like you know we just want to have fun with it this is this is gatekeeping yeah <laughs> we don't need to do that yeah we don't need to do that i can't imagine that anyone would listen to your podcast you and idris and come to the conclusion that it's like too serious too harsh i think you guys are super welcoming super generous you know like i think that um you heard it here first folks. Little, yeah you've heard it here first if you did your brand this is me writing my five star review live for you and yes. i'll do it also on the um on google podcast or whatever but Perfect. um Apple podcast all of them um but i do think like whatever your branding that you're like i think your brand identity is is strong and consistent and is also like kind and playful and friendly and accessible and um you're not you're two people showing up as people talking mm. about people in a sport that is a human sport like i don't know i feel like you've nailed it so well i'm so glad to get this feedback i i really appreciate the this live because like adris and i are two people who are we do a lot of self-doubt and a lot of self like critiquing 
Um, and so it's always good when we have that, those sort of positive, like kind of affirmations. It's also really hard out there because like, it's hard to get a lot of engagement from people online. And that's usually like a metric to know whether or not that you like actually are doing the right thing. You know, like we'll get a bunch of like listens on a podcast, but like we won't get a lot of interaction. It's just like, well, like, you know, what's the reasons for that? But I also think that like the internet and social media is sort of the algorithms kind of fight against you a little bit. And, uh, you know, it makes it, it makes it difficult. Here's the other thing I'll say, whoever's listening to this podcast, DM the pod. They are the nicest people in all the land. Um, and I understand Gabe. I, I wonder because I met you in person. Mm -hmm. Um, we're friends from real life before, before the pod, but I also know you guys to just be, giant fans who love this and are doing this in part because you want to talk about it. And so if anyone out there is listening, I know you said it on the last episode, but if anyone out there is listening and wants to be a friend of the pod, this is your chance. You got to do it before they blow up. Slide in the <laughs> Say hi. You'll have a new F1 friend. It's a dream. But anyway, yeah. I love that. I love that for you. No, you guys are like, I'll say days away, <laughs> days away from, from that. So yeah, I, I don't know what the are, but that's the feeling I get. Right. Well, I'm, I mean, and honestly, I think Idris and I, we want to try and do more diversifying, like getting more people on the pod. And that's why I always tell you and you and Shanali both, like if you ever have like a free weekend and you want to like be on an episode, like you always have an open invitation with us. Like we will, cause we just sit down and we just do our, you know, we'll just do our zoom call. So like, you know, if you're just like, Hey, I don't have anything going on on Sunday. So when you guys record just let us know i will just send you a message and we'll just do it because the more the merrier for us i mean we just we love talking to both of you we love it so anytime um that's why great we are one hour into recording and have mm -hmm. not started talking about qualifying yeah so, right uh, well we, we, we touched on it a little bit we touched on it a little bit and hopefully let's go, let's go back i'll let i'll loop us back okay um well tuna give me your give me your thoughts on what's going on with aston martin um Oh, you because know. I mean, I, honestly, I, I'm here. I'm like through even through the whole race. Mm -hmm. I, Aston, I, I swear, Alonso is carrying that team on the on the back of his shoulders. He really is. Like Alonso, small in stature, big in impact. <laughs> he's a short guy. He's a short he is. Guy. No, he's he shorter really, than people think. He's way shorter than people think. I think that's the that's the trick. I have a friend who. Like met him once and was like, Tiernan, you don't understand. He's so small. But um, he feels so tall and big, oh but he's God, just not. He's yeah. Big guy energy. Yeah. No, like mm -hmm. big guy energy. But anyway, he is carrying the team. Here's the other thing I'm struggling with in general with Aston is like they came out the gate at the beginning. If we're talking about the transformations through the season, they came oh, yeah. out strong, right? He was fighting for second row starts first row mm -hmm. starts at the beginning of the season um they're not in good form anymore i don't no. know if anyone else has developed around them and they haven't i don't know if they spent all their money replacing lance's cars and so they can't <laughs> do an upgrade package i don't know what it is i don't know what it is alonzo is carrying the team stroll is barely holding it together um i'm sure stroll is used to his dad just replacing his cars all the time so he doesn't seem to carry the anxiety that the rest of them do around putting the car in the wall but 
You know, no, I, I saw his. Uh, did you see his faces after he retired in the race in the back? They had the camera on him. He was just going. Oh. Like it just oh. looked like a six-year-old being like, I don't know where that cookie went from the jar. Uh, you know, it was just like he didn't look dejected. He just looked like I don't know what happened. It's just like, oh my gosh. There's a lot of little nuances about my dislike for Stroll, and they they take in very interesting forms. Um, sure. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, no, he's not. He's not doing great. Lawrence needs to fire him. He's not going. I know I came on this pod and I was like, he's going to do it. I still think it'll happen, mm-hmm. but it's taking way too long. It's going to be like a. Long. I lose all. I lost a lot of respect for Gunther based on how long he kept Grosjean. It's going to be that with Lawrence. I think if he is unwilling to cut Lance at the end of this season, I'm sure he he could put him back at Williams. There's still a Williams seat open. Put him back at Williams. Get Liam Lawson in there. Win a lot of fan support. Mm-hmm. That's my that's my pitch to Lawrence Stroll. If you're listening. <laughs> Yeah, I just there's so many uh, there's so many drivers that could fill that Aston seat so well. So well. And I mean, and here's the thing, seriously, you, you we talk about F1 being you have the the teams and they have their cars and how the cars should be equal machinery, right? There's always that debate. I'm not 100% convinced that it's always equal. I mean, maybe maybe you know, maybe you have a little more insight about like that's from an engineering's perspective, but like I do know that like setups are different. You know, people's bodies are physically different. And so, like, those setups can affect things. And, like, not even just with, like, how stuff is internally. Like, maybe there are, like, I mean, would there be a case for, like, literally physical components on the car having to be there in order to accommodate a driver's driving style? You know, that's an interesting question. I think, in general, the, like, components that are most influential on an F1 car's performance are, like, the powertrain and the aerodynamics, right? Mm. Um, those are things that I do tend to believe stay consistent car to car. I do think the the mapping of, for example, the shifting mm-hmm. maybe or brake bias preferences, like those sorts of things may vary car to car between two teams and like the driving styles and the preferences. Um, and they do tune the aerodynamic setups within a range, you know, mm. per driver um suspension setup like i do think they do quite a bit of tuning they also do push upgrades packages to one car and not the other right like that's a thing that happens so it's clearly rules legal to Mm -hmm. put different components from one car to the next um i do know like the driver cells are quite different car to car um i have a friend who works at delara Mm -hmm. and as an engineer and he worked on mix driver cell but not on mazepins so mm. like it, there's some amount of like engineering infrastructure that that can be different um mm-hmm. to the vehicle so like yeah i think the cars can be if you look at the creep of all of those factors coming together you can wind up with dramatically different cars right i think that's part of what happened with mercedes last weekend is they yeah. you know yeah no for sure well and think about this too um, you know that like Daddy Stroll is not going to give his son a bad car deliberately. Correct. You know that's where this doesn't make a lot of sense, unless 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 he's half stepping towards it, or the team right is without Lawrence's consent half stepping towards it, right? Uh, if I were working under Lawrence Stroll, and I had Alonzo and Lance, I would divert any resources I could towards Alonzo. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, he's the one that's (laughs) producing your results. But at the same time, it's like you want the team to both be well. And that's where I think this is is where I think it gets really complicated because it's like clearly Aston Martin does not – they don't want to – they're not at the top right they can't afford to favor one driver over another it's like clearly like they can favor max like red bull can favor max because he's the one that's basically getting them all their constructors points same with alonzo alonzo right now i'm he's the only reason why they're even in contention for like fourth or third or fourth you know constructors championships right now and but the thing is it's like he can only carry so much. And you listen to him during the race. He's like, you threw me to the weeds, like throw me to the lions. Like, what, what, what am I supposed to do? Like you tell me how to do this. And he, he was still like on, on tires that were not working on that Aston still fighting to get those positions, still fighting to stay in the fight. That is why I still, to this day, that's still why Alonzo is my favorite driver because the guy just gets in there. He does the job and he, he might complain, but he'll still just do it. You know, yeah. like same as Singapore, he could have just retired the car, but no, he was fighting last. He just like was just like trying to see what he can do, just getting the data like yeah. for the team. Right. And right. yeah, he is the chief strategist. He is thinking of not just about his own race, but about everything else that's happening on track. Mm-hmm. He is. Um, I bet he's one of the most pleasant drivers to work with in terms like as a. am going to make a gamble that like mm. as an engineer, he is one of the most useful drivers to work with in terms of mm-hmm. the feedback that he's able to give. He's so experienced. He's so articulate. Oh, he yeah. understands the nuances of what makes a car drivable or undrivable. Like I'm certain that as much as he's on the radio, like this is a dream, this is a nightmare, you know, uh, mm-hmm. there have been some, some jokes about that. I do bet that he's able to give like really tactical, actionable feedback because he has come up through F1 and is so, so experienced mm-hmm. that like, right. He must be great. He, he's delightful. Well, and <laughs> then he, awesome, you know? and, well, and then I I don't mean to heap harping on on Stroll, but Stroll is not a rookie who drives like a rookie. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like Stroll should have lots of experience. He's been in effectively kind of, kind of almost two like three different race teams. I mean, like he wrote race for Williams, then his dad bought. Um, Force India, which turned into Racing Point, and he was with you know Racing Point, and then they turned into Aston Martin. Stroll has a lot of race experience. He's got a lot of years. He's got quite a few years under his belt, and yet still, like he makes mistakes that like you don't expect a seasoned driver to make. And that's where I start to get into that territory of like not liking drivers as much as other drivers because it's like a difference between like if you really cannot bring up the results that you need to bring up even after all the experience that you have and like you're doing things like impeding like in every other race or like, you know, it just like there's been several times where he's done, like he's either punted somebody off track unnecessarily like dove into the inside and took a risk like where, where he didn't need to. He's just, he, he just feels like he's, he's kind of disjointed. He's kind of sloppy. I've never seen Lance Stroll do anything that felt really impressive or very magical in any way. I've seen it from Albon. He's good in the rain. That's all he's got going for him. Yeah. But like, you know, so is Alonzo. So is Hamilton. Like, you know, like it's like, like it used to be a really, I think that's, perhaps a mental crutch. I'm still leaning on that. I think a lot of people in F1 lean on is like, well, they're good in the rain. Like, that used to be a skill that many racing drivers did not have. Right. At this point, this is the absolute pinnacle of motorsport. Everyone 
on that grid is good in the rain. Right. Right. I mean, okay. it's, it's, it's adds such a more insane element to, to the driving that it's like, you have to, I mean, like the thing is weird. It's like simulators can only do so much because rain's very unpredictable. Like, you know, it's, it's composition, the oil on the track, like there's a lot of different elements. It's really hard to sort of simulate. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. It's just like you, at this point, like if you can't run in the rain relatively effectively, then it's just like, you you know, what are you doing here? So, um, I think the fair comparison, um, for like driver maturity is because Lance has been in the sport a lot longer than his peers, his age. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but I look at Carlos. Carlos joined Formula One in 2015. Lance joined in 2017. Carlos was also like a little boy when he started <laughs> in a lot of ways. He was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at the trajectory that Carlos has taken and the level of maturity that he drives with and the level of judgment that he drives with, you talked about it last weekend. We saw it in Singapore. Like, Carlos is out there making really educated decisions based on tenure in Formula One. Mm-hmm. Lance is, you're right, still like blundering around. <laughs> like yeah. a little bit out there. <laughs> Look at Lando. Lando's been in the sport yeah. like way shorter than than uh, Stroll has. And look where Lando's, look how well Lando is doing. You know what I mean? And like, I, you know, there's, there's just, to me, it's uh, just, there's not, there's really not any, it, it's hard to make excuses for Lance Stroll. It's really hard. You know what I mean? Like it's Oscar's first season and he's not. Yeah. Yeah. Performing. He's performing better. I mean, there's a, I think that like you, I think the driver should be given enough opportunity to prove themselves. And at this point, Lance, you got a good car. I mean, we know Aston Martin can be on the podium. We've, it's happened multiple times by your teammate. So like you, he can't blame the car. He can't blame his experience. He can't blame the team because his dad owns it. Like mm-hmm. the, the the list of things that he can blame it on, like he had the only the, the only person he can blame is himself. You know what I mean? And yeah. I and the thing is, is I don't think Lane Lance does that, and I think that's the problem. I think is that Lance, think, yeah, you know, I don't know it's, if he can't look inside or himself, or maybe he he does. It just doesn't work. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he keeps dropping his chapstick everywhere. I've heard hearsay at this point i've i heard on a podcast clip on instagram you know like level of hearsay but like the talk of the rumor mail is that like lance's heart just has never all the way been in it (laughs) you know like even when he was a new driver and someone posited the theory now i'm just like really spreading rumors someone posited the theory that like perhaps lawrence cares more about this than lance Hmm. does And I had never considered it through that perspective. I had always looked at it through the lens of like, Lance must want this and his dad has the resources to make his, to try to make his kids' dreams come true. Uh, Mm. But it's beginning to seem, I've been a Lance Stroll apologist for a lot of my life and this Mm -hmm. season has made it impossible for me to continue to hold that line. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. I'd never really thought of that. Um, And it's funny because we see a lot of that nepotism, like, in the sport now i mean well not nepotism as much as like father son sort of dynamics i mean you see it with max like the only differences between those two is that max is winning um 
And part of me wonders if Max might be in this. Like, if Max really cared about F1, he would be doing F1 all the time, every time. But, like, I almost feel like him doing NASCAR trucks at Talladega on Sims all the time, maybe that's his little way of signaling, like, I'm not as into this as you might think I am. And Max like has my... also, in interviews, spoken about, like, like, I do wonder what, I do believe Max would be a racer, no yeah. matter what. Like, regardless of his dad, yeah. I don't know if he'd be an F1 racer. Yeah, I, I feel like there's probably a certain percentage of it, which is Yoss being like, you need to succeed where I failed. And I know this world, so I can get you into it and navigate it, and we have the contacts and we have the money. Yeah, no, yeah. I think you're right. And I, I do wonder where Max will settle. Right. right? He's not going to retire and build B hotels like Seb. <laughs> He's going to... Well, He's going to yeah. retire to another series, and I am curious to see what it is. You know, I yeah, I, I think that I think these drivers should be freed to do, you know, what it is that is really going to make them comfortable. Um, mm-hmm. And then, I, then you think of somebody like Mick, who Mick is clearly dedicated to Formula One in this way. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, he took a lot of punishment and abuse in, at Haas, and then Mercedes picked him up and he's like doing all the test sessions and he's there at all the races and he's just doing everything he can to try and, and, and get himself, wedge himself back in. Do you think he has a shot at the second Williams seat? They can't be Logan again, right? Like, (laughs) has Williams realized that they made a misstep hiring a Florida man thinking they would get American fans? Do they realize? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, they announced Logan Sargent at Coda when we were there. I remember yeah, that. I know. And I remember, that. I remember everybody being like, oh, it's the first American. I'm like, who is this guy? Like, I never heard of him. I follow um, the Junior Series, and I was like, he who? Yeah. Where'd, where'd you get him? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, so if I, the, if it were, if it were up to me, he would 100% get that Williams sit next to Albon. Um, yeah. When you because say he, who do you mean? I mean Mick. Mick you mean Schumacher. Mick? Yeah. I could also see Liam Lawson having made his case. Yeah, I so it's funny, like Liam Lawson is doing really, really well in this Alphatari, uh, just covering for Danny. I've been thinking a lot about whether or not like what Danny would be doing if you if he hadn't had that um that injury. Like would he be up there with you know, Yuki, like, does the Alphatari fit Liam really well? And that's why he's doing so well. Like, you know, wh- there's all these different factors that could that could come into play here. That's what makes F1 so fun. That's like what makes it mm-hmm. possible to have this podcast is like all of the hypothetical, you know, we just can't know. Well, you know, it was funny watching Singapore. I told my brother, I watched it with my brother and my friend Terry. And the whole time they're just like, so like we're getting towards the end. Right. And there's this really close type battle, you know, between Lewis and George and Carlos. And they're just like, so what is, what's going to happen? Like, they're just following each other. And I'm just like, well, they're like, what could happen? I'm like, well, any number of things like, you know, George could run into Carlos, like Hamilton could hit George, like, uh, or, you know, Norris could spin out, like, you know, Carlos could have an engine failure, like, any George number of things could happen. And, and then, there. yeah, no. and then literally what happened, like Norris clipped the wall, George clipped the wall, but worse, and just flew yeah. straight into into the, you know, into the barrier, and there, voila, there it was, last lap. And they were like, oh my God, like, you're right, like, this, this, this is, 
it could be anything and it's your it, you're right it's that that's the that's really why that's why formula one kind of caught me and why it keeps continuing to catch me because the unknown is so unpredictable and i think that that's what people are a little upset about with the season is that max wins so much that it's like it's become this predictability but i've always said you never know i mean like max could have a mechanical failure it can happen they've been so reliable <laughs> Yeah. Like, you know, th there could be some component that they think is reliable and that they're still holding up that's just secretly, slowly starting to deteriorate. Anything can happen in terms of the just, like, general chaos. Lando, I mean, Lando, Max, and Oscar went three into one in a in the first corner. Yeah, that was impressive. How about that? Do you think they planned that, that ahead was... of time? Yes, I do. I do think they planned it ahead of time. I think that was purely strategic. Um, and Max did an amazing job to cover them off. He does have the faster car, but mm -hmm. still, like, the reaction times from Lando and Oscar, spectacular. The yeah. placement, spectacular. Mm -hmm. I love yeah. seeing them. Together. They were Norris. Norris was 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 faster in the reaction time at the start, um, and that's why I think he was able to kind of inch ahead. But yeah, like you said, Max's car is just so much faster. So much faster, and he can like you see their experience. You saw you could watch the spread of experience into the first corner with where they lifted and braked. Like yeah, Oscar lifted so early compared mm -hmm. to, to Max and Lando. Um, it was really wild to watch like the confidence that mm -hmm. the two carried in their cars where Oscar is still kind of. Well, and, and that's what shows his rookiness, right? He shows his his rookiness lifting a little too early into the first corner and putting his car on the podium. Yeah. Right. Like it's and losing, losing out one spot to his teammate. Like it's yeah. not that he's dumping the car into the wall. It's not that he's dipping a toe into the grass. It's not right. that he's taking the wrong, you know, like he's just rocks off. Yeah. These are these are skills that you develop over years of racing, which is why like you see Fernando do it all the time. Like Fernando, it's it's incredible to see him make saves when he almost loses it, and it's like, how did he recover? It's just like he knows how to recover. Like he knows what what he's feeling. He doesn't even have to think. His body just recovers. The it car. just recovers it. Yeah, Hamilton does the same thing. He got like smacked by Perez often, like in that at the at the start. And I was like, you know, but he was right there, you know, was able to react to it. And it's so, it's so impressive to see that. Um, well, also I want to talk about, well, if we're, while we're on the subject of experience though, um, uh, I want to kind of circle back to Williams, um, and this whole thing with Sergeant and possibly Mick, because, um, I, what is this like? I think it was like the third time in the last four races that Logan has had a an accident or like has crashed out or something like that. And the monetary, you know, amount of money that that's racking up is a lot. Right. And if you're a Williams, like you, you have to think like there, there's a certain, there's a certain point, right? Where it's like, okay, we want to give this guy a chance. But like you've got you've get you've been given how many chances this year? Like yeah. during these here's races? The, and here's the other thing. I really think the only business case for quote giving someone a chance, it, like at the end of the day, these teams are businesses, this sport is a business. I, I it's gnarly to have to talk about it in those terms, but like depersonalize it for a second. The only cost of not giving someone a due diligence chance 
there's the potential, right, that they grow up and that they, you know, they, they have a learning window and then they are high performers. So you may lose a high performer by cutting them too early. But the mm. real business cost, I think, is purely in goodwill and reputation, right? No. Like Red Bull has a bad reputation for cutting their drivers too quickly, losing people mid-season. They ran through Pierre and Alex and, you know, it took them so long to find Max's teammate in Checo. Mm. And there's, as soon as Checo waivers there's like well there he goes there yeah you know so like red bull has a bad reputation for Mm. that yeah well a lot of that a lot of that's marco or uh, yeah Yeah, uh helmet marco um he's a bad man and that's the thing like i have this idea of like he's a bad man williams i think lose it nobody likes this is so mean but like i don't know anyone that's a logan Sargent fan i have friends from Florida, I'll admit it in public. I have friends who <laughs> have grown up or who have lived in Florida. Even they aren't attached to Logan Sargent. I think Williams misunderstood Americans' allegiance. <laughs> like, I I know they signed him to get that American money in. I don't uh-huh. know anyone who's buying Logan Sargent merch. I don't know anyone who's going to bat for him. Nobody no. bring any new fans into the sport. Like, there's, I think, only a benefit to them for cutting him and putting in somebody who has support behind him, like a Liam Lawson, like a Mick, these like little golden children mm-hmm. of that. Um, well, well, I have a question for you. So yeah. I, 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 I agree. I mean, I think that I've said it before. Adrice and I have said that Danny Ricardo feels more like an American than Logan Sargent does at this point. Um, do you think that drive to survive has any sort of sway on that? Because like you look at people like Alex Albon, like he has a, he had a he had a whole narrative in Drive to Survive, same with like Gasly, uh, Ocon, um, Alonso. Not really that much because he wasn't like super in, in there, but he was still kind of there. Yeah. But like, um, I mean, we, I think that Liam Lawson, I think, is just showing what he's capable of because of just you know the driver that he is. But like yeah. Danny Ricardo, I don't think he would be back in the sport the way that he is had it not been for a heavy dose of drive to survive. And so I'm curious as to see if if Logan, when the new seasons of Drive to Survive inevitably comes out, I'm curious to see whether or not he's in it much or if they have a highlight episode on him or if that will change perspectives because I wonder if that has some sway on it. Works you know? on me. <laughs> it does. Um, no, that's interesting. It It could be, right? Like maybe Williams knows something we don't know, but the promotions that Williams have done with him so far, I mean – he is out there working it with his little model photos. Like mm-hmm. he's got such a serious model face. I kind of love it. I honestly do love that mm-hmm. promotion. Like all the promotions they they're doing with him, and they're really pitching him as like bland American model man. Um, <laughs> but I don't. Yeah, I'm curious. We'll see. And and if so, I hope that like if there is something there that the Williams media team hasn't been able to show us about Logan mm. yet. And there is something there and drive to survive is somehow able to capture it like i want to see it i want to know i am always happy to see these drivers like portrayed as human beings i think we have a tendency you know like as fans we're so far removed like yeah we forget and i i remember a story uh from that max told somewhere 
maybe on Twitch, like on a Twitch stream that like someone pulled a clip of, but he was telling a story about a time that his cat climbed into a closet of his mm-hmm. and then knocked furniture onto the door, trapping the door closed. And to get the cat out, Max's idea was to like thwack a hole through the wall and lift the cat out and like the, the, the hole's still in the door. Like that closet abandoned, right? Like. That is a humanizing story to me. I'm like, mm. oh, well, he made a series of poor choices. He could have taken the door, the hinges off the wall. But like in the moment, your cat's in there. You do what you got to do and you don't address the problem. Like I'm here for any amount that I can see these people as people instead of as like media presented parasocial relationships. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if if even, even knowing that anything Drive to Survive could tell us about Logan would make him it would still be a media presented parasocial relationship. Well, yeah. Anything that him, I'll take, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. But like, it's like you said, but though at the end of the day, it's also a business and it's also a sport. And like, it does, you could be the nicest person in the world, but if you can't drive a car worth, you know, worth shit, then you're not going to be on a team. And I think that is where I think that Williams need to make a smarter decision here. Because I do think you're right. I do think that they went with Logan as a way to try and be like, oh, well, like, here's, like, an American. Like, we're going to go with him because it's, like, the, you know, American sport. Like, you know, getting kind of... But that wasn't really the right angle, you know? And honestly, because it's, like, as Americans, it's like, we love Danny Ricardo. We oh. love Norris. Like, we love... Um, we love Yuki. So it's, like... It's, like, they're, they're, they've misjudged what pulls in American fans. And yeah. I was thinking about it was, like, okay... Simply for being an American, like how close would someone have to be to my, like America's such a big country and I don't give a shit about Florida. Like <laughs> Florida, I, Florida I don't give a shit. So like how close would someone have to be to me for me to care, right? I grew mm. up in the suburbs of Chicago. I went to school in Evanston, north of Chicago. I lived in the city of Chicago for five years when I was out of school. Like I think if a kid from Chicago became a Formula One driver, that would be enough for me to have some amount of allegiance to them mm. because of our proximity. Mm. But like a kid from Illinois, don't think, don't think I care. Don't think I care about Illinois. Like, don't think I, I'm from California. Don't think I care. Colton Herta is from California. Mm. It's not enough. I don't care about Colton. Like, <laughs> I don't think, I think they misjudged Americans. What, what, what leads us to an affinity and you're right it's person it's the personality it's a person you look at pato award like pato award is oh, universally loved but and he's so a great dude adored. yeah and like he's got the mexican and american allegiance yeah. like the just north america in a package like he's so goddamn delightful mm-hmm. yeah exactly yeah. and like that's somebody it, it, it's like that thing where you say like niceness will get you far it's like if you're a if you're a person that people like they're gonna want you to be in doing things like i think that and it's like that that's that's danny ricardo to a t right people love danny ricardo he's he just happens to be a very talented race car driver that's won races and so it's just that perfect that's why it makes sense for him to be back in the paddock right it was the same with um albon is a delightful personality he is. like a charming guy he like does a lot of philanthropy he's got his he's got his american golfer girlfriend who's you know lily is spectacular like he's got the bleached hair like mm-hmm. alex is like another super likable person and personality 
with a really likable story, right? Like he's gone through some shit in a way that a lot of Formula One drivers have just come in wealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like they nailed it. <laughs> if Williams was going for like two really likable, personable drivers, they nailed it with Alex and they mm-hmm. missed it with Logan. You know, I feel like uh, it's funny because I feel like Haas and uh, Haas, Alpine to an extent, and um, uh, Alfa Romeo have kind of like been sort of a PR sort of dead zone in a way like you don't really hear much about Alpine and Alpha like like Zhou Guan Yu a lot of times I forget that he's even on the grid and that's really disappointing because it's like it has nothing to do with him as a person or as a driver it's just that like nothing happens you know here's the thing about Joe. it means we're on different slightly different parts of Instagram fashion icon oh okay the, fat, the, the like F1 slash, and I'm not a big fashion person, but like the F1 fashion accounts are big. They've always been big Lewis fans. Uh-huh. Joe stepped in out the gate and people were like, holy shit, the things he's wearing, walking into the paddocks, like he's nailing it. Okay. That's, that's all I'm getting <laughs> is from the, the fashion accounts. I was going to say, I do know that his helmets are always on point. He always has some incredibly ornate yeah. helmets and I, I love that. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, but I, I just think like, well, and that's hopefully maybe, like I said, with drive survive, we'll get a little more, uh, of a thing from that. But honestly, I do think, uh, kind of swinging it back. I definitely think Williams, the smart decision for them would be to bring Mac, uh, or Mick Schumacher in with Yuki, uh, or not Yuki, um, with Albon. Because I just think like lineup would be so wholesome. I think they would do well together. I think they would help you out, help each other out quite a bit. Because I just think Mick needs to be in an environment where people care about him and are trying to help him succeed. I think Haas is a little more. I Haas was like cutthroat when they didn't need to be cutthroat. You know, it's right. like because well, like Gunter, I think swung too hard. I think he held on to Grosjean and Magnussen for too long because mm. he. I really do believe that Gunter loves Grosjean and that he loves Magnussen. And I think mm-hmm. he held on to two drivers because he was attached to them for too long. Yeah. I think he was forced or had to come to hard terms that, that, that he had kept them for too long mm-hmm. when they were underperforming. He went way too hard in the other direction with like, it's purely a business case. And he was so explicit yeah. in Drive to Survive. We need Mick because we need German sponsors. It's like, oh God. Yeah. This baby boy has been through a lot and he's a very talented driver. Like that should be your narrative mm-hmm. that sh- you can't go from you. You can't claim a business case when you kept Grosjean and Magnuson for so long. Yeah, no. Uh, and I'm, I'm actually glad to hear that Haas is going to be taking over the Alfa Romeo sponsorship um, when Alfa Romeo switches to Audi. Cause that's honestly sounds like the most stable sponsorship that they've ever had in their entire you know <laughs> career as a race team chipotle. <laughs> well yeah chipotle was pretty fun that was a, that was a nice uh that was a nice ad i i that felt a little more uh closer to home for me so i was like oh yeah okay yeah chipotle Americans, yeah. Americans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah um i'm just so long as they don't pick up another like you know russian oligarch manure um mogul or whatever you know like or you know just lean into cryptocurrency or something or get sponsored by elon musk like it's like let's not do that um let's you know let's stick to some i'm I'm taking the other approach let's go way hard on grifts 
take a hard line approach. I want 100% of their sponsors to be cryptocurrencies. <laughs> and AI, AI, uh, AI generate chat, 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 GPT. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just lean the other direction. The last episode, I'm doubling down. I want Haas to take that. It's like, you know what? If you're going to, you're going to have all this money, you might as well dump it into something that's fun that people enjoy. Um, yep. yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. So one thing I, uh, one thing I did want to say too, uh, about this race, um, I thought was, well, I think it was a result of the start. There was a very high attrition rate. And the one thing that did really surprise me though, that I've never I'm I can't say I've ever seen this happen in a race was when they put Perez out again after he brought the car in. My god, 19 laps down or something absurd. Yeah. And like the whole reason why they did that was so that he wouldn't get a grid penalty for the next race. Which I didn't even know was a thing. I assumed that if you had like a 10 second penalty and you retired, they were just like, oh, well, okay. It's a wash. It's a wash. But no, apparently they can just impose a grids penalty for the next race if you don't serve that penalty. I'm like, isn't he punished enough? Like, he's didn't finish the race. Man is going through it. They they put three front wings on that car. Something absurd. They they already are penalized, my guys. We don't have to... We don't have to make him sit in the car. Did you see the shot of him sitting in the car where clearly the team is like back and forthing? They're like, Checo, you gotta you gotta sit in the car. We're maybe gonna put you out. The trauma in that man's eyes. Oh dead, my gosh. Dead yeah. I mean his 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 team is like the owner of the team is throwing racial slurs at him and then like he's uh like just under the shadow of you know, quite possibly the one of the most perfect championship wins in history. And I, you know, that poor, you know, poor Checo, he is, like you said, I mean, he is, he's being put through it. And I know it was like, okay, we need to like, you know, make sure you don't have a grid penalty. He was driving a bit scrappy. Like I, I did notice, like he, he took some lunges that uh, were not going to pan out for him. So did Logan Sargent too. Uh, He like, we flew in Well, he locked up into the hairpin and just like pitched botas around um and so there was a lot of scrappiness happening but i was yeah i was really surprised i did not expect them to i was just like what's the point of doing this until they at birdie collins was like oh so he don't get it doesn't get a grid penalty in the next race and honestly i don't understand that rule i really don't i think that if if you if you retired from a race it it shouldn't matter if you served that penalty because clearly you it it should be null and void i mean right i agree i do love though that red bull i don't know if any other team would have had the wherewithal to fight that feedback from the faa because i'm certain what happened was they were like this car is wrecked we can't Mm -hmm. keep putting things on this like we gotta retire him and they they pull him in the garage and then the FIA must have proactively gone to them and been like, hey, you guys, that penalty you didn't serve, you're going to have to deal with that next race. Mm-hmm. And that Christian was like, whoa, 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 that's some bullshit. What if we put him back out? Like, I didn't know. I would assume it's against the rules to pull yeah. the work on it and put it back out. Obviously, nobody's trying to take those sorts of risks. Nobody's trying to put that kind of wear on their already damaged cars. I kind of love that Red Bull was like, absolutely not. Right. Here's a loophole. 
we're gonna exploit it. Well, you I know, love that found that and exposed it. Yeah, well, and you know what was interesting? Uh, so uh, it made me think of IndyCar because that that happens a lot in IndyCar. If there's a car that goes off and gets like hit, has some damage, they'll bring it into the pits, they'll fix it, and send it back out. And I didn't understand why that was until Elizabeth explained that it's because they get points for every place finish. And, mm. like, if you finish ahead of a driver that maybe had retired or something like that or, like, crashed, then you get more points. So there's incentive to do that. But in Formula 1, there's no incentive because you only get points from 10 up. Yeah, so, it's interesting. It had me thinking about, like, <laughs> I'll never get over the first time I watched a MotoGP race where um, – it started to rain and they, they can't really change tires on those bikes. Mm. And so they just hop on a bike with rain tires already installed. They just swap <laughs> vehicles. Mm-hmm. Like there are a couple sports where they swap cars mid mid race early yeah. before me was like that too. Like it had me thinking about those implications. Like why couldn't they? Are there regulations around like putting you in a new chassis? Like it I think it opens up an interesting Yeah. Part. Well, I think they they used. I mean, they used to do that in F one, right? When it was the spending was really excessive. Like they'd have the instances where like there'd be a, a turn one crash, and they're like, "Oh, they're running into the spare car," but you know, the spare car was like set up for like their teammate and not them, and like it was like this whole thing. Um, I, I think F one. Well, yeah, I think F1 has a rule about this because I think it's supposed to curve excessive spending, you know, because it's like if it was left up to the teams, they would bring like four cars to each race and then they would have like this car we only use for qualifying and it's super lightweight and like really has a crazy engine, you know. So I think that was sort of the way to do it. And that's why it was very shocking to me because I'm just like I had the same thought. I didn't think they were allowed to repair the car and then send it back out. I know. That was wild. Yeah, it was it it was fascinating to watch. That was definitely a first for me. But, you know, I also thought, too, when when they sent Perez out, I thought maybe he was going to like I thought maybe that was going to be some problem. Like, could you imagine if you're like driving, you know, you're driving an F1 driver, you're just going around and like Perez has not been in the race for 16 laps. And then all of a sudden here he comes out of the pit lane. I hope the engineers would have said something like, yeah, Perez is coming back out. Right. That could have been a shock, you know, if you didn't really know what was going to happen. And like, um, is he allowed to race people? Like, right. I understand that backmarkers are allowed that you know that until they're blue flagged, they're allowed to do whatever they want. Like, that feels irresponsible <laughs> to let that car yeah. out. They kept him out the minimum amount of time they could to like be out, serve the penalty, put him back in the garage. But like, the implications of that are. So- so interesting yeah like yeah, how it's... Could, could he have held up lando could they have yeah. put him out to actively interfere with the mclarens like i don't see why or like what if what if he what if for some reason they put him out to try and give like max a toe or something even though max yeah. doesn't need it like right, you know like drs they could have played the drs game with yeah Checo. right it's like they could have they could have done that stuff but i don't think they did and so that's the sort of thing where it's like how is this allowed like this seems i i I guarantee you they're probably going to look at that rule a little further and they're probably going to add something there will be a rules change that closes that loophole i think there might be there might be some sort of thing and i think honestly all it should really be is that depending on the severity of the penalty like if you're being if you get a five second penalty because you like deliberately crashed into somebody or you cheated in some way and you don't serve it then yeah i think the next race you should probably probably get a penalty sure but if it's something that's like 
you know, track limits, you know, yeah. or, you know, maybe you slightly impeded somebody. Like, yeah. I think that there's a severity level to it. Idris and I, this is an ongoing conversation we have because we still, we still think that five second penalty sometimes is too harsh for yeah. certain things that there should be like, uh, like I think that in, um, uh, like in, uh, what was it? Um, in like qualifying, like with the, with the, with the, um, the track limit thing, like they do in Austin, rather than it being like, oh, you get your lap time completely deleted. It's just like, no, just add a 10th onto it, yeah. you know, or something like that. Cause like, that's enough that I think to like make it so that they're not out of the race completely, mm. you know, maybe they could still make it to Q2, but like, it, it, you know, they have to work harder or, I have a, you know, I have a different take on track limits. Okay. My take is perhaps a really har really harsh take, but my take is if you leave the track, you should it shouldn't it shouldn't count at all. You should not be allowed to leave the track. The whole thing I think should be true with F1 is any of your car leaves the track. Penalty, don't count it. Delete the lap time, whatever it is. Like mm -hmm. the sport is who can go fastest around the track. Yeah. So my yeah. vote is like, you shouldn't, it shouldn't be, you have to have one bit of rubber on the track for it to still count as the track. I think it needs to be all four wheels on the track all the time. It will slow things down a little bit, but I do think that's the sport. I, 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 would draw. I agree. Honestly. I mean, that was my sentiment when I was seeing the Austria, like the craziness of deleting all those lap times. Cause I was like, well, yeah. I mean, like they went off the track, like the, the, it's the limit of the thing. And what's funny is you don't see that in certain tracks like Singapore. You don't see that in Singapore. You know why? Because it's a wall. So there's like this psychological element that they know they can't go faster than that. You can't exceed the track limits because your car is smashed. Right? Yeah, so, right. That should apply equally across circuits. I think it should be a rule of like, you cannot leave the track. You yeah. Should, it should always be a penalty to leave the track. I think if they have, if there's anything that they can do in certain places, like like that 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 last turn coming out in Austria, the only thing I can imagine them doing is just extending the track a little bit more, making it more of a curve. If drivers are really going to do that, but then you think of that, then what they're going to do? They're just going to go further. They're just going to go more well, out their, to that. Their job is optimizing, right? right? Their job is to find the most optimal way that suits you know they're driving in the track i i think um sure you can have a conversation around like okay i like there's two options one the cars have to slow down mm -hmm. but they all have to slow down right and like yeah. i think that would be just as fair as like extend the track mm -hmm. i think the thing that is frustrating is that it is track by track and it is corner by corner what the rules and regs are and i, yeah. I think well they would do best to have one consistent regulation and my preference would be all four tires on the track. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I think like you have the you have the red and yellow curbs, right? And I think like riding the curbs I think is fine, but I think if you step over those curbs, that's, that's where right. I think it should be the problem. Yeah. If you're Fair if enough. you're if you're skateboarding on them. Yeah. Yeah. The cars are wide so they can be on the track and past the curbs too. Yeah. Like they can yeah. have different, you know. Yeah. which i'm i will say i am excited for when they they're supposed to apparently be narrowing the short the wheelbase and oh. the width of the cars a bit um Wait. i don't know if it's happening in 25 or 26 but they apparently have been working on doing that um because i think these these things are too wide 
You're too, it's hard to, it's yeah, hard to get your car around someone else. They're so much bigger in person. Like I, that was that was the thing in Austin uh, when I saw them. I was like, wow, they're way bigger <laughs> than I thought they were. They're huge. They're also so fast. They like, are. Mm-hmm. Actually, there are certain sports that are like much more fun to watch on TV. Yeah. <laughs> Hockey is one like that sometimes mm-hmm. better because you can actually see what's happening. On right. TV. You know, like, there's certain sports that are better on TV. F1 is better on TV. I always, whenever I've gone to a library, the live races are electric and they're so fun and it's such an experience, but you mm-hmm. cannot follow the race. Yeah. Well, and a part of that is because the internet's not good enough to be able to follow live timing. Like yep. when I'm sitting there in the track and I'm just like, well, no, I don't, I have no idea what's happening. And like, I was near a TV, but it's still hard to see. And like, I, I got really lucky and I had, I didn't have internet, but I had cell phone service mm. where we watched the race. And so my boyfriend was texting me like, this is what's happening. <laughs> and that was the only way I was able to know, like when people were closing in on each other, when, mm passes were expected when they happened on other parts of the track it's um it also might be because i'm not rich enough to buy a grandstand (laughs) seat where you can actually see things and a tv and hear things but yeah well i think that that's i think that's partly down to the racetracks i think they should do a better job having more tvs and more speakers around um because some of these tracks like I was really surprised that at Coda, the speaker systems that they had around the track, it, it basically sounded like it was like a Beatles concert in 1964. Like, yeah. it's just like, uh, what's happening? Like, you guys should have good speakers, like, periodically around the track where people gather so they can hear what's happening or some screen that's nearby, you know, have some, you know, excess. Uh, PIR is really good with that. I mean, there's only a few places you can be on the track at PAR or you can watch it, but the big one is the first turn and there's a screen right there. And so I could see living timing, everything like going on. And so when like an accident happened or somebody went off, I saw it immediately. So that track is definitely a lot smaller. And so it's a lot more intimate. So you kind of can really see what's happening. But yeah, Coda is so big. It was just like, well, where did he come from? Like, where did he go? Like, I remember... Yeah, Carlos crashed off that first turn, and we were just like, where's Carlos? Oh, he yeah. retired? Like, no. oh. nobody knew what happened. Say, the F1 race guide app, like Formula One has an app, and mm. if you can get it to load, it's a question of if you can get it to load, right. but they have live, you can watch the live timings on your phone, and they also have commentators, like, type, it's like watching, um, like, a Twitter feed almost, but, like, oh the play-by-play so i was able to use this in montreal i had good enough service when we watched the montreal grand prix um so the f1 race guide app is excellent for if you're in person but if you're in a crowd and you can't get internet service it's it's a big yeah, point yeah yeah well, they need to they need to bolster up inter- i mean it's this is 2023 here people we need to have like uh, some intense wi-fi towers and some better television screens to see it because yeah we're just not we're just not getting anything but i did notice uh i did see the japanese track a lot of the places where people are sitting down it's literally just logs like I don't know if you noticed that. I'd never noticed that before. They have their grandstands, yeah. um, which I think have individual seats rather than like the American aluminum football style. Um, but there were two sections I saw where one of them was like stone steps, almost like a, like a park 
theater yeah. thing and then the other one was just like wooden like it was just like logs yeah. and people just had chairs and i'm just like that sounds nice it kind of sounds nice i mean so long as you have like a nice cushion you know and i would assume that it's just first come yeah. first serve i mean it's not like they have numbers carved into the wood log right. yeah um uh, Japan would be a race I would I I think it would be it would be a really exciting race to to go to at some point in my life that it, it... Singapore is my bucket list. Singapore oh, Singapore would be insane. List, but oh, yeah. I mean the Japan, yeah, we are here to talk about the Japanese Grand Prix. It would be spectacular to go to the Japanese race. I'm, I'm sure it would be a very pleasant experience too. Like Oh yeah. I logistically and operationally like it was mm. night and day to go to the race in Montreal versus Coda. Um the Montreal race is public transit accessible and like walkable and um, there's ample water, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> just some of the things that make a race experience, make or break a race experience, Montreal had down really well. I am going to go out on a limb and guess that the Japanese race is also logistically delightful. Mm, I would say I so. That's probably all true. All of the costumes, like the Japanese. Oh my God. Yeah. Out of this world, I was eating up all the social media. Shanali and I were joking, like they would love us. They would love us in Japan. They would a hundred percent. They would. I love that they get those little construction helmets and then they build yeah. the little cars on them. They've been doing that for years, and it's like yes. it is a very Japanese thing. Like it is like quintessentially them. They just go yes. to the nines. Which, by the way, it brings yes. me to the point. Yes. I want. I, tell me about these new costumes you're you're cooking up. Okay, so Shanali and I are not going to the U.S. Grand Prix. I will be going to the U.S. Grand Prix with some friends. Okay. I believe that I have other I have other friends. They're from <laughs> my college our team. I anyway. Um, it'll be it'll be fun. But we decided we're gonna go to Vegas, and mm. we are also not going to buy. We have not bought tickets to the race. We bought we got a hotel room. We found a reasonably priced Vegas hotel room. Shopper. Okay. Um. And our game plan is to see what we can get. We'll see what we can get. If we have to watch mm -hmm. the race on TV from our apartment, we'll be fine. At this point, we have some some contacts and some friends in the teams. We think we'll be able to hang out with folks outside okay. of the formal event. But also, all we need is one person with a view from a hotel room on the strip. Like I, we we're 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 scheming. Okay. Um, we're going to Vegas. You guys can get the very first glance of our of our reveal. We are staying with McLaren. We, we talked about perhaps Beta Tori. Shall I came up with that? But the Instagram handle is not available. Yeah. Um, humil if if we look at if we play the game right, we originally picked McLaren because we looked like Carlos and Lando at the uh -huh. time. Uh, Lando and Daniel worked okay. If you look mm. at the grid now, we make most sense as the current Williams lineup, which would make mm. me sergeant <laughs> anyway we're sticking with mclaren this year and we got we're making the vegas promo jackets. oh oh my god <laughs> so this is the, the base this is not dolled up at all um it has blue sleeves it will have blue sleeves wow we had a field day in a joanne fabrics the other day um oh but gosh. also we're doing v2 really applying the engineering process to our race suits we bought these like synthetic like sweatpant material almost like onesies okay. our costumes are these onesies from uh old navy mm. $25 we bought four of them <laughs> when we bought them so we have two on 
assembled ones and two that we we made and our first draft you know their their mclaren's race suits are gray ours are black like mm-hmm. black is better but anyway the black um with the orange up top the the orange stripe the blue down on the leg and mm-hmm. then all the patches we sewed all our patches on but we needed to get the fabric that was orange up top right last time we did fabric paint and we did like a layer of white fabric paint and then a couple layers of orange fabric paint for whatever reason the suits the synthetic suits just eat up the fabric paint like it mm. starts out vibrant and like fades to to like gray over the weekend oh, wow. okay so this year we are sewing orange fabric we're sewing fabric onto oh, them oh okay yeah um and we we are in the process of of assembling the like big blocks of color um we're using like spray adhesive oh okay Mm-hmm. And sewing the this the rim, so we're 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 gonna have um, a much higher fidelity, uh-huh. suit, wow. which is honestly dangerous because our suits last time when you met us were uh, barely holding their color. The patches I cannot express the extent to which the patches were falling off, like visibly only loosely sewn down, like falling off. They were made uh-huh. from puffy paint, like they were not. They were very DIY we had a lot of people who were like, those look real. We're like, they do. Yeah. I mean, when Idris and I saw them, we were just like, Oh, look at that. Like it was impressive. Like we were just like, Holy shit. Yeah. If you looked, they, the, the overall picture was strong. And then if you looked too closely at any of the details, it was like, Oh my God. Well, that's, that's like with a lot of things. I mean, like that happens in the guitar world a lot too, where it's just like people will have, there was a guy I remember who was a session musician and he he would spray his guitar a new color almost every gig and he would literally oh, wow. just like he would just take the neck off and he would yeah. just spray it with some spray paint and then just put it back on and reassemble it that's and really from cool. a distance it was like that's cool he's got a yellow guitar but then when you got right up close to it, it you could see what? all the layers of paint chipping off it was look like a like a like a jawbreaker where it like would break <laughs> off huge chunks yeah. Um, and the funny thing about that too is that the guy was just playing a Hello Kitty guitar that he just sprayed over a bunch of times. So like, um, you know, I was, I was like, that, you know, the, if the effect works, then that there you go. It's the it same with like um, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, like those drag queens, like when you when they're on stage and they have all the lights and stuff, like all everything is really impressive to see as a whole thing. But if you get real really close, like. It, yeah, it's it, there's a there's some you know it, there's not a lot of refinement like it's just kind of right. p- patched together with what they can do. Got it. That's the whole. Um, that's the whole point. It's like yeah. you gotta find the threshold that is like passable and professional enough, and like the details of how you got there don't have to like the sum is greater than the parts in all right. of those. Pieces, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. Right. Have you yeah. and Shanali talked about um like. Uh, which one are are you going to be Oscar and she's going to be Norris or is it going to be the other way around? Lando. I've, I've been studying him for years. I get to keep Lando. She <laughs> okay. has to be Oscar. Um, I will say my hope with Oscar this whole time, like I, you, I've watched it happen over and over again where like you get a new driver to like a brand new, a rookie driver tends to be just kind of paralyzed mm-hmm. by the spotlight yeah. Some of them, you know, some of them come out swinging. Yuki came out swinging. He was ready. He did not temper his personality one bit when no. he got into Formula One. But like 
Stoffel Van Dorn. Like, you can see, like, a history of, like, young drivers that come in and are just, like, uh, like they're kind of just there for mm. a minute. And their personalities emerge as they, like, become accustomed and, like, can relax in front of the cameras and stuff. We're seeing that a little bit from Oscar. We're also seeing mm-hmm. that his humor is just super dry. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. he's actually quite funny, and I didn't clock it for a long time. Um, so... He's winning me over, not just with the personality, but with the driving. Like, he's showing that McLaren made the right call. He's also starting to relax. We're seeing what look like natural smiles from him. Like, Mm -hmm. capturing real candid photos instead of him, like, grimacing. He grimaced the first half of the season. Um, Mm. So, yeah, I'm warming up to Oscar. I am sad for Shanali because, you know, we... We had her as our highly charismatic drivers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But we, we really did debate, like, mm, are we going to hitch our wagon to McLaren? Mm. Or are we going to dress up like whichever lineup calls to us? Right. Season? Yeah. It's all, I mean, there, there's, I, I, so much of it is also trying to come up with the, with the name, like you said, like the, you know, beta Tari. <laughs> You know, I that handle is taken. I think we would have done it, but the yeah. handle is <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, the, so much of it is the name, as much as it is like the costuming and the personalities. But you know, enough one's always changing, so it's just like it's hard to find that sort of yeah. constant north star. Yeah, yeah. But well, we, we like McLaren. I've you know, it took us the knockoff McLaren project was a three year project and it's like how long it took to come from idea to fruition mm-hmm. with the pandemic um so in that time i did become quite attached to mclaren um mm-hmm. and i think it really did lock in what will be a lifelong fandom of mine um despite like they could lose both drive like they could lose lando as well and i think i would still hold a very strong affection for mclaren um Mm. I actually don't think like, like I like I like Lando a lot and I respect him as an athlete and a competitor and the way he's grown and what yeah. he's been able to do with McLaren like I I really do admire him but I don't know if he would be my favorite driver at another team mm. yeah uh, but McLaren has really captured my heart yeah I I feel like if Idris and I were to try and do this uh, he and I would probably I feel like the the perfect thing for him and I to do would be to just transport ourselves back to 2007 and recreate the McLaren outfits for Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso because there's like both our favorite drivers like you know there's also like the era of F1 that I think he and I are most um we sort of have like it, it might be like our like our kind of our collective favorite era i guess is like the early 2000s you know sort of thing that 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 i feel like would be a pretty sweet costume because it's like yeah um all right here's what i think we need to do (laughs) you me shanali idris need to go to a race all four of us in costume you guys go retro we go contemporary that would be yes um yeah that that i think well you know it's easier for us though too because it's like it's unchanged Uh so like uh, you would have to be current so we'd have to try and make sure we we we, we it have to be the perfect moment we have to make sure that like oscar yeah. and nor and norris are still in there or you know um there's we not some them, big shake up until 2026 
we do we do have to okay i'm gonna talk to i'm sure Idris is gonna hear this um i know he's he'll probably be 100 percent on board we're just gonna have to uh figure out we just need to get like yeah you get some silvery silvery race suits some vodafone logos um yeah some santander big santander thing across the back i think yeah i, I think we could probably make that happen um Oh, I'll just uh, we can do a thing where like I'm waiting in line to go to the bathroom or something and like I just I just sit there and wait for him like like make some references to like all the weird turmoil they had when they were when they were in a team together. Can we talk about um the spatting that's happening at following now now I want to follow Lewis but um at Mercedes right now. The George oh and Lewis thing is fascinating to me. Yeah. I don't think people are paying I don't I don't know if it I am I am obsessed with how close the two are and how they've mm -hmm. been kind of you know, George has outqualified Lewis a couple times. Yep. Like which is quite surprising to me. But then in the races, Lewis seems to have the upper hand. Like mm -hmm. the two of them together battling it out last weekend and this weekend gave me a lot of hope for like, ooh, we might get some inter-Mercedes mm -hmm. fighting again. Yeah. I think, um, so I, I think that if we're, if we're talking Mercedes inner fighting, yeah. I think that like the Nico Rosberg Hamilton battle, I think was, on a personal level that I don't think Hamilton's ever going to get to again because like they were best friends. Yeah. Right. So you have this suddenly like friends to frenemies to enemies yeah. sort of situation yeah. happening. And I think that the intensity of that battle was amplified with the fact that they were on top, like they yes. were the best team. So that it even added competition even for who wins the overall, like who wins the driver championship. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's more than just like, inner team dominance yeah. and i think that like botas as hamilton's teammate kind of had that personality where it's like botas can definitely fight for himself and advocate for himself like he's definitely he not did. he, he did. disobeyed team orders yeah uh, repeatedly in yeah, his time it, at mercedes to do what he needed to do right but he never like did anything to like try and like deliberately screw over Hamilton or they didn't really have any like major coming togethers that would have been like, Ooh, but yeah, I think we're seeing like George, I think George, I think it's so much of it stemming from George. Cause I think George yeah. is desperate to put his foot into the sport yes. as like, this is like, I'm here. Like I'm, this is my, you know, I'm really? ready to go. I have loved George's desperation. Like, mm -hmm. let's talk yeah. about a driver who's like heart is one thousand percent in what he's doing. Oh yeah. Oh, he feels completely. Such big feelings, and I fucking love it. Yeah. No. He. He definitely. He definitely is like. Uh, he's very opinionated on the radio too. Like, mm -hmm. and he's so sarcastic. Um, which is just crazy to me that he can think to be sarcastic or come up with these like kind of sassy quips while also <laughs> racing at the same time. Oh, British. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, I also thought when Max called him a princess that he should have just leaned into that a little bit. Um, I would have just like made princess merch and stuff like that oh, if yeah. I was George. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I'm a part of me is 
I am genuinely interested because I think that the sport does its best when there is there is a certain amount of drama and drive between drivers. Um, when like I was really disappointed when like you know Max and Perez's whole thing was heating up, and then all of a sudden they're just like, no, we had conversations and like we're cool and it's fine now, and like there's no, it's like no, like fight, get, Let them fight, you know, Let them get. Yeah, it's just like take some risks, like you know, try some stuff. Like I feel like, I feel like Perez was kind of um, subdued by that a bit, and it's he was definitely <sighs> explicitly told to chill out and let Max win. Like yeah, yeah. And th- there's nothing like I don't know. I think you're right. I think that's one of the things about having two drivers per team that like is so thrilling and engaging about Formula One. It feels like. A little bit like hockey you know i'm bringing up hockey again but like that's one of the wildest parts about hockey is that they're allowed to openly fight each other to an extent mm-hmm. like they're yeah. allowed to just hit each other where that is not explicitly part of the sport like and that is engaging and exciting and like uh, like really allows the emotions mm-hmm. of the viewer to rise and fall and right. so there's like an engaging experience i think that's a strength of formula one that and you're right red bull squashed it i'm loving watching it heat up at mercedes where mm. there is explicitly no number one driver george is actively challenging hamilton and so yeah. he has a right to be like what are we gonna fight with each other i'm faster team orders him like i'm loving watching george assert himself in the space and yeah I think lewis will never really take him back on because like lewis is too good for mm-hmm. that almost. like he's just yeah. too transcended the need to like fight with his little teammate right it's a weird balance because like on the one hand like you have team orders and you have the what's best for the team as far as the constructors championship and you want to help that you help each other and you want to get the team the best but then you have the driver's aspect and i think that's where those that conflict really comes in because each driver is fighting for their own championship at the same time right. and I, it's it's a weird balance to strike because I, I'm glad that like Mercedes is like okay you guys can race just leave each other enough racing room you know that's good like that's what you want to see right um but at the same time like you get instances where like you know last year where like Perez was racing for the second place and Max would not let him pass because he's like oh like you know why he knows why it's just like what uh, like it, it's just like at that point it's just like okay if I was Perez I'd be like alright fine you know what I'm gonna pass you on track and if we get taking each other out so you already got a championship I got nothing to lose let's go like yeah. I, that's what I would have been resigned to I'm like you know if I, if I lose second over this like then you know i'm gonna make my point like i'm trying to it looks bad on max yeah hard work looks only good for checkout i mean we saw we saw a request for team orders and and a and an ultimate merit pass on track out of mclaren right right when lando had had um pitted i think and and oscar was still out and he wanted to to pass him this race lando was on the radio mm-hmm. saying oh i'm faster i'm on these newer tires you yeah know, and when do i get to pass him you're gonna and, ruin my race yeah right right where was this this was it like uh have it all written down like lap 26 lap 27 lando's yeah. like let me go and um the commentators were like oh that's nice like it sounds like oscar hasn't heard that he's supposed to let lando through and i think right. when lando passed him it was on merit 
not because the team told Oscar to get out of the way. And that's what I want to see as well. I want to see the racing be racing as much as is possible. Um, Mm -hmm. And I do love the team strategy. I love when someone gives their teammate a toe in qualifying. I loved watching the inter-team strategy between Carlos and Lando, where he's pulling Lando up along to hold the Mercedes at bay. Mm -hmm. Like all of that stuff is delightful. And so I think there's room for all of it. Yeah. It's just, very delicate balancing act to like it is engaging one thing i did think was fascinating too was uh ferrari threw out a pit strategy dummy out there did you see that they're just like oh like pit pit to to cover mclaren pit to cover mclaren and then they didn't come in and pit and they were just like oh yep no they're trying to throw them off the game those are oh when that happens it's kind of hilarious it is i also loved uh mclaren asking oscar about like his tire strategy where it's like okay oscar if there's a safety car this was towards the end of the race oscar if there's a safety car you can come in for softs but you lose three places do you want it i love watching them like openly have those conversations Mm -hmm. um because it's open to everyone right like that is that just as well could have been mclaren planting that concept yeah whether or not they do it you know like i did love i do love all of that um you know one one thing i uh one thing that they changed in qualifying a couple of races ago and i'm curious to get your opinion on it because i actually kind of like it you see how they did that thing where in q in q1 they only ran the hard tire q2 they only ran the medium tire and then q3 they only did the soft tire Hmm. um what do you think about that format i think it's great yeah i think it's super interesting i love whenever like formula one is always playing with tires right i loved when whatever tire you ran q2 on you had to start the race on like i like i enjoy all of the different permutations um Mm. but i think one of the things that is interesting is we're seeing i think in general we're seeing more running on a wider range of tires we're not seeing the teams all take the same tire strategy yeah i think um forcing the same tire strategy for qualifying is also a way to force kind of force their hand if you've got mm-hmm. a car that's super optimized for one tire and not the other right um, you can't rely on that anymore so no i think it's been really fun yeah there, there's all these different these all these different suggestions of how the qualifying can change um i know that uh, i think fernando said that he said the qualifying is um uh setup is stale and needs to be updated he thinks that they should do like a one shot qualifying Mm -hmm. thing um which um i i think like i think like you know logistically might be better because then way you don't have to worry about people like being stuck on track like blocking each other but as we see the track evolves so then the premium is whoever you know gets the last you know, is the, is the fastest, you know, maybe you do a reverse version of it. I don't, I don't, you know, it's tough to say because reverse from the final order of the prior race, something like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm all for them trying different things. And so, uh, you know, I'm whatever, whatever they're going to try. Yeah. If it was one car out at a time, would the track evolve the same way? I don't think that's see, that's a good, that's a good, that's a good point. Um, I don't think it would either because you're not laying down as much rubber. Um, because I, you know, I would be willing to bet that the rubber, the friction from the cars running over the track and the rubber being layered down is going to have more of a profound effect than the temperature ambiently of the air and like the sun, you know, so that much like the track evolution cannot be explained by the thermal, (laughs) unless it's the thermal property of like the actual 
rubber of the car is heating up the track. That's right. the only thing that makes yeah. it can't be yeah. It can't just sun. be the sun, yeah. So, the, uh, yeah. A lot of times they're cooling, right? They should be cooling throughout yeah. the session. Right. Yeah. Uh, you, I mean, you'd think. Yeah. I. I I'm curious to see. I mean, they. They be. It's be something they should try. I. I'm. I think. I'm curious to see what they do next year because they're always. They're of course they're going to inevitably try, some different stuff next year to see what happens. But, um. But yeah. Let's I um. The format. That they're experimenting with the format as much as they're experimenting with the vehicles. Oh yeah, no, completely. That's the only thing you can do to really try and continue to liven things up. You know, as you go along. Um, well, let's, um, let's just do a little wrap up here then of Japan. Um, overall, what are, uh, let's, well, I guess I'm, I call this segment the, this is the, the podium vibes segment. Um, so overall, what is your whole vibe that you got from Japan? Like what were the, what were the biggest vibes you got out of it? What was, what was the thing that stuck most in your mind after, after watching it? One of the thoughts I had was like, there was a lot of overtaking <laughs> and a lot of shuffling of words. Like mm-hmm. I know that in a lot of ways, like the breaks kind of shook out the same way the qualifying kind of shook out. Like it wasn't that, it wasn't like where right. like you had like a very active battle for the podium the same way. And at the same time, so much of what F1 has set out to improve is having lots of on-track battles and passing. Um, and because everyone was running different tire strategies that wound up happening, right? Because we had the safety, pitting under safety car, pitting without safety car, two stop, three stop, four stop, you know, like check right. in and out. There was yeah. like plenty of interesting stuff going on throughout the race. So I found yeah. myself quite engaged through the whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. I watched it, had different, <laughs> one of them at lap six was like, time for my nap. I was like, oh God, really? Like it's just, <laughs> getting, it's just getting good. Like they're just doing the safety car restart. Oh um, yeah, yeah. So I, I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I also always enjoy a race where the McLarens are doing well. Um, yeah. Riding high the whole race for that reason. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I th- I agree. I-, I had the same. I had same feelings. Uh, very scrappy race. I mean, there was a lot of attrition. There was like five racers that retired. Five cars that retired. And I think a lot of that stemmed from that first race incident. I think a lot of them took damage and then they just couldn't recover from it. Um, a lot of yeah, a lot of passing. Um, a, this track is very good with passing. There's, there's a lot of there's a lot of places that you can unexpectedly uh, pass somebody. It's got quite a few passing opportunities, which I do not like when tracks is like there's only have one or two places that you can pass. And like Monaco's like that. Straights, you know, they're usually the DRS straights. Like there was a right. lot of passing in corners and people lunging into corners um, or mm-hmm. pushing someone. To, to cover in one turn and it puts them at a suboptimal entrance into the next corner. Like the mm-hmm. racing was racing. It, wasn't it was. Just, yeah. Yeah. And also, like you said, the pit strategies were really fascinating to watch, watch how they, they were, um, you know, who was coming in, like, like, you know, Fernando Alonso getting pinned early and then having to pick up the pieces from that or like, uh, you know, somebody trying the undercut and the overcuts were, were, were coming into play where they were trying out their different things that, you know, Russell trying a, a one stop strategy rather than like a two or three, like everybody else was, um, 
definitely fascinating definitely interesting in a way that's like i wish every race was like this and like you're 100 right it was very engaging i mean i started it at midnight last night and i was pretty much wide awake through the whole thing except for maybe the last five laps and like yep. lauren had already passed out on the couch and i was just like i gotta finish this race you know last little bit yeah but um but most of it i was just like wow like oh my god like what's happening here um i think um yeah lauren just texted me my notes because i left them um but there's just a lot of like you know really close calls with lewis and george botas getting pitched by um logan Sargent. perez coming in coming back the ferrari pit dummy um Magnuson and he had to do that like he's facing the wrong direction had to do that beautiful spin recovery onto the track like there was a lot of drama I loved uh the bit at the end where they told like they were trying to pull Carlos's DRS strategy out for uh George and Lewis and mm-hmm. they were like Lewis do the DRS thing and he was like Mm-mm, not gonna do it <laughs> I can't he's too slow like I loved yeah. watching that like there was plenty of intrigue kind of at every stage of the race and like Mm -hmm. across multiple teams so yeah Yeah. it was one thing i don't know if you noticed this um at the end uh the the red bull team was really excited to win the constructors championship which you know by the way congratulations to them but christian horner he was just kind of like he didn't really i didn't see like a lot of reaction out of him you know you know what i mean like yeah like even max is just like okay yeah good job we did good and it's just like i you know like i i just like i remember like i like every time like mercedes won like a thing it was just like yeah like they were so stoked for it they worked for it (laughs) yeah yeah it's just i don't know there was something there was something about the subdued celebration from from the Red Bull pit wall specifically that I was like, "This, what's going on? Like, this feels really strange. Like, you guys just won the constructors' championship. Like, aren't you like suit? Like, look at your pit crew. Like, they're freaking out. Like, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it was a little off to me. It was a little off putting to me, and that that I think kind of coincides with like when you're just so dominant and you're just expecting it to happen, then all of a sudden yeah. it just you know. The, the vibes were weird. <laughs> I expected more out of McLaren too, to be honest. It was Oscar's first podium, like mm. double podium, big deal. Like it was like a pat on the helmet from Daddy Zach, and like yeah, they kind of ran in their spot all race. Like that shook out early, and they just had to execute, and it like wasn't that hard mm. for any. Like it was like not a risky race, not a difficult race. I don't know, but I I was like. I was feeling really hyped for the podium and was just like, oh, they're just sitting in the room. Okay. Now yeah. walking up the podium. Oh, okay. Oh, they're okay. doing a little champagne spray. They're like, seem happy, but like, it's the thing you have to do. So I don't buy it. Like, yeah, yeah. it was just like, I'm, a little off. Yeah. I'm curious to see what happens when Max, with Max, you know, if he, you know, when he clinches the title. Um, I'm going to say when he clinches the title, because usually when I assume that something, when I say something like that out loud, it happens and it actually doesn't happen. So that's my way of manifesting it is by saying that he's going to do it. Um, But he apparently is capable of winning it at the Qatar sprint race. Oh my God. Of course he is. I was going to say like, (laughs) it feels impossible for him to not win. I mean, it's the, the only way that he wouldn't win is if he literally retires the rest of the, the, 
the the rest of the season. Like if he has mechanical failure and retires the rest of the season is the only way that he's not going to win it. And then, you know, Perez and uh, Alonzo and Hamilton would have to be like the, on the podiums. It, it the likelihood of that very remote. Very low. We can we can dream though. But 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 it's not impossible. You, you know, the rest of the season, if it happens. Oh my God. Like I, I like, I would love to, I would love to peek into an alternative reality where that has happened. Mostly because I just want to see how Max reacts to it. Like, is, would he just quit afterward? Like, would he, like, what would he do? Would he be mad? Would he be confused? Would he be depressed? Like what would happen to that man? I almost think we'd get no reaction, true psychopath reaction. Like, I don't know what we'd get. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. True psychopath. <laughs> like, the nothing. The, like, yeah, it happened. Um, like, well, that was know. an interesting season. Good job, guys. <laughs> like, are you okay, Max? I am like, fine. What? Are you okay? Oh, know. man. Yeah, so that's the funny thing, though. It's just like I always like to tell people, it's like, well, like they were because people were saying that, like, Matt, would Max just go home? Like, and that was after like five races. I'm like, guys, this is like 22 se- two races this season. Like, there's plenty of opportunity for things to happen. And, you know, obviously it took to, to Singapore before we got another race winner. But, uh, right, right. Um, yeah. But we also, like, I-, I don't know, something that is always true about Formula One is that, like, there's always going to be scraps in the middle of the field, right? So mm-hmm. even if Max wins the whole thing in the sprint race, like we got a lot that can still shake out that has very real consequences for the drivers, but also for the funding the teams get next year. And yep. it's going to change. And, and the, the wind tunnel time and the development cycle, like there's still a lot to be determined in the yes. sport. So. I'm very much it. so. I'm in for it. Yeah, no, very much so. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see how things shake out, and you know, um, who knows? You know, the the rule change in 26 could completely derail Red Bull. I mean, I think they're bound to sort of stay close to the top. It's really just a matter of if uh, if somebody else can figure it out. I think that Mercedes, if they fix the zero side pod thing and just go to a different concept next year. I would be willing to bet that they can put themselves back kind of close because you because we see how much development they've gotten, how close they've gotten this time. You know, agreed. And I really want an eighth world championship for Lewis. I do too. I do too. I want an eighth world championship for Lewis. I also want McLaren to fight for it too. I want them to be back in their winning ways. I want Williams to be back in their winning ways. I want to see a McLaren Williams like title fight is what I want to see. That's, that would be a dream come true, like a classic era. Yeah, glow up of the century is what that is. Yeah. Also, I was going to say, we talk about um, uh, McLaren glowing up and Aston Martin. What is the equivalent of glowing down? Is that like a thing, like a glow down? Like, what's the what's the opposite of a glow up? All of my things. <laughs> I don't have a, I don't think there's a cute catchphrase for it. And I think a lot of them are like cruel or fat phobic and so oh just, yeah you know like i think that's always the thing people yeah. say and i don't like it like i'm not here for that i don't think that's yeah the thing so we'll call it a glow down it's really a performance thing yeah 
Yeah, it's really is a well. Yeah, it really is. I mean, there the reliability has been fine. I mean, apart from Stroll's wing breaking apparently at this race, but um, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, I'm I'm gonna stay stagnant where everyone else has grown. I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and do uh you know uh, as the as the as the as the young people out there say a manifest moment, yeah. and uh, it's gonna be. Um, uh a max max beefing it and um so much that it it makes the title the title clinching be the last race of the season again love that um i want and i want to manifest that in 2026 um williams is back up towards the top fighting with mclaren for um you know for the next uh for the world championship i also um oh, also my- a part six manifest moment is that we have yeah the battle is a three-way battle between mercedes mclaren and williams that's what mm-hmm. i want i kind of you know and i've kind of said this before i kind of have this romantic thought of mclaren coming back up on top and having lewis hamilton rejoin mclaren for like one or two more seasons before he retires that feels like yeah that feels like a that feels like a, a special thing to happen you know i feel like yeah. that would be and then uh, Mick Schumacher Alonso, taking. Uh... Put him and Alonso both back there. <clears throat> well, I want to see Alonso win a championship for uh, Aston Martin. I don't know if it's yeah. going to happen, but yeah. um, you know, this I is this the closest that we're going to get. I don't. I think that if it doesn't happen by twenty five, um, uh, he might. You know, he might just be like, well, you know. Do you think Seb is coming back? Not to throw a total wrench as we're wrapping, but Seb was there this weekend and like seemed quite. Mm. Um. Uh, it's tough to say. I would I like to see him come back. Yes. Do I think he's going to? Um. I. You know. At this point, with the amount of activity that he's doing outside of the sport, trying to promote like his environmental um causes and stuff, which is, I mean, love to see it. I yeah, mean, huge. total king. Um. I think that. Uh, I think that there's probably a high chance that he's not going to as much as I would love it. Cause I, I think that he, he should, I think that it would be really awesome to see him. Um, I think if, if Max retires and they just bring Danny back up, like it'd be interesting to have Danny and Vettel back in there, um, or have Vettel like, you know, race for Red Bull again. Like if Red Bull starts to come down the order again and they need somebody to jump back in, like. Vettel oh, showing back up to like bring them back up to snuff might be a fun thing to see. I was He's... thinking we put him we put him in Lance's seat and we have like two world champions try to bring try to Ooh. revive us. Oh, that would be like the 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 yeah, the dream team. Ooh. That's a movie that's a movie I'd watch, right? Like the two kinda count them, can you count them out? Aging mm-hmm. out of the sport guys, like come back. Seb is another driver that's just such an engineer. Like mm-hmm. those two developing Aston oh. and then like kicking ass and taking names would be like such a riveting season. So that's it's, my that's my other manifest moment. And it's not like Daddy Warbucks doesn't have the money to pay him. Seb doesn't need the money. And Seb doesn't need the money. But like if he if but you know what? Like if you know if he was gonna pay him enough to be like, hey, like here we go. Um oh man, that would be epic. Oh my god, that. I would I would buy all the merch. I mean, I have my Alonzo shirt, but I would buy a Vettel one and like I'd have all, I would, I would be 
Aston could win me that way. This is my this is the Aston Green, but it's actually a Daniel Ricardo Enchante sweatshirt. Nice. <laughs> um I bought my Aston Alonzo shirt. I don't know where it is though. I'm super excited about it though. I, I've like flicked the first like F one merch outside of this that I've actually like owned. And I'm also really happy that I actually have the Lando hat and not the Danny hat. At first when I got it, I was like, Ah, oh, I want the Danny hat, but now I'm actually glad I have got the Lando hat. So Yeah, it's got the longevity. So, Lando yeah. and I think Lando this is another thing I want. I want a Lando World Championship with McLaren. Yeah. Like, he, because he, they picked him and, like, he chose them back. And it feels like they actually really are synced and tied mm-hmm. McLaren and Lando. And, like, if we're manifesting McLaren competing for World Championship, I want it. I yeah. Want I say, it. I say McLaren wins the championship in 25. And Williams kind of brings it back up into the midfield after re-signing Mick. And cool. then 2026 is McLaren and Williams, Mick versus Lando for the championship. Oh, okay. My heart. We're writing a fanfic. <laughs> We're writing a fanfic. That's like a, we got to run like a dandy campaign off of that premise. <laughs> oh, ooh, like underdogs. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. I love it. Uh, maybe uh maybe we need to have a usgp gang um D group going I, i'll you know we gotta think about it but i like that idea a lot mm-hmm. i know chanel would be into it if she has any free time yeah that's the thing yeah poor chanel like, <laughs> i know she's so busy um but i do think that could be a very fun little side quest or like off-season game oh yeah oh that oh off-season oh man that would be incredible. Oh my god. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm already thinking about it. All right, I'm gonna all right, all right. I'll mm. plant that idea. I'll, I'll leave you that gift. Okay. Well Okay. Awesome. Well everybody, thanks for listening to F1 or F off. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh if you want to hit us up, find us on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, uh and X uh at F1 or F off. You can also email us at F1 or F off uh podcast at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star review, um, or as Idris like to, and I like to say, you can also do four or three and a half, but no less than that. Um, just be honest with it. Um, anywhere you listen to your podcast, uh, leave a comment, leave a five-star review. It really helps us out a lot. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. Uh, Tierney, who should we share our podcast to? Give it. Give us. Give us somebody. Uh, DM your favorite IndyCar driver. Ah, there you go. At listeners, yeah, let let your IndyCar drivers know um, whether it's uh, whether it's uh, you know some Chip Ganassi action or some Andretti action. Let us know because like uh, that's accessible. Slide into Pato's DMs. <laughs> Just slide into Pato's DMs. We already gave him a friendship bracelet that he like you know he should be down. Like you know, yeah, I think if anybody was probably gonna listen to it, it'd probably be Pat out. So you yeah. you might be onto something. So, um, Tiernan, thank you so much for joining me on the pod today. I really appreciate it. Um, I as much as I miss Adris, um, I I equally enjoy um you know having you on. And like I said, open invitation. No, anytime you want to come on. Um, you know, you and you and Schnei were the first ones I thought of to possibly have on as a guest host, and. Anytime you want to, you want to be on the podcast, you're always. Don't welcome. have this. I'm doing a non-hostile takeover. <laughs> it's it. It just slowly churns into. It's just like uh, we are the, the Dries and I are the guest hosts. All of a sudden, <laughs> here's Careful, the password. Yeah. Just take over. Uh, yeah. I don't want to take it from you. We need your voices in the space. <laughs>
<laughs> All right, I appreciate I, it. I value Thanks. you guys both. So it's, uh, if anything, I'll, I'll just ride your tailcoats to success. <laughs> well, you won't have to ride any tailcoats. We're just, we're going to, we're going to hoist you up above our heads as we ascend. So this is, it's going to be good to go. That's right. <laughs>